Blog Talk Radio. Uh, mostly, like I said before. Too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling his vultures Negative, nepotist Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this Whip, whip, run me like a race Pull me like a ripcord Break me down and build me up I wanna be the slip, slip Word upon your lips, lips Rather that you rip, rip Break me down and build me up Whatever it Hurricanes are in right now as they get ready to head to Boston off an open week for I don't know how you could define as anything but a must-win game against the quality Boston College team. A quarterback switch back to Malik Rozier, whatever it takes. A circle the wagons moment on offense after about 40 of the 58 plays 
that the Canes ran at Virginia resulted in some kind of mental or physical error that derailed the success of the play. That's kind of unfathomable, really. I mean, if you think about it, to have that many breakdowns at this point, at any point in a season, much less the middle of a season. Those of you that have been paying attention, you've been hearing the coaches, you know, really second-guessing themselves a bit, you know. Mark Rick bringing up that failure in the, in the first place at his weekly news conference. How many coaches would admit that there's mental errors on 40 of 58 plays in a game? You know, that doesn't represent the coaches real well. In all honesty, I mean, you know, it's the coach's job to get the players ready to play and to put the plays in the game plan that those players are ready to execute. And if those that many plays aren't being executed properly, that doesn't represent the coaching staff real well. And I was impressed at the way they're standing up, listening to Thomas Brown today, saying a lot of the same kind of things. Are they playing too many guys? Why aren't there guys showing up at the stadium on Saturday ready to play and ready to execute? So people out here want to see Mark Rick remove himself as offensive coordinator. They want a new offensive scheme. But if the present scheme isn't being executed properly, how are we supposed to know if it's any good or not? I mean, be honest. How are we supposed to know if it's any good or not? The easiest thing in the world when things go bad is to say, fire this guy, fire that guy, throw that out, hire this, change the offense to this. And maybe some of those moves need to be made. But if what they're planning to go into a game with, like that game at Virginia the other night, isn't being executed properly, how are we really supposed to know if it was any good or not? Meanwhile, you got the defense holding up its end of the bargain, remaining number one in the nation in total defense at 237 yards a game. First and third down conversion percent at .208, and also in tackles for loss with 11.6 per game. They have forced 17 turnovers, which is third in the nation. The defense took control of the North Carolina and Florida State games and they tried to do the same thing at Virginia. Three first-half turnovers. That as good as it gets. At Virginia, it wasn't good enough to alter the final result of the game like it was the first two times. And I don't think anybody would disagree. As much disagreement as there has been amongst the Canes nation this past week, I don't think anybody would disagree. It's time for the offense to step up its game. We'll talk about all of that and more tonight as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Kane Sport Live, pre- presented this season by Sicilian Oven, with six restaurants throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it will be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. 
If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad that puts you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. If you don't want to come on the show and you're driving around and you don't have your car radio hooked up and you want to listen to the show over the phone, you can. Just please do not hit the number one on your keypad when you call in because that puts you in the queue. And then when I go to bring you on the show, we get dead space on the other side. So we once again asked subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And we'll address them during the course of the show. And we had some leftover last week. I'm going to make sure we get to all those tonight. So I'll start phasing them in earlier than I usually do. Okay, so obviously the offense is what's most on everyone's mind as we get started tonight. Uh, As you know, since our show last Tuesday, Mark Richt decided to go back to Malik Rozier as a starting quarterback. Uh, Feels that Malik gives him and the team the best chance to win this game on the road Friday night at Boston College. Uh, You guys know where I stood on that subject. I think we talked about it on the show last week. I didn't think it was a decision. And, you know, no disrespect to Nicosi, I never understood why Mark Richt rushed to make this move in the first place and create this whole circus environment around the quarterback position now. But he did. He has to own it. And by doing what he's doing here, he's correcting the mistake he made in the first place, quite honestly. And, you know, he he says, I asked him this week if he had second, if he's second guessing himself, he says, not really. You got to go with your gut. When I made that decision, I felt it was the right thing to do. And I said that I understood why he did it. I just couldn't believe he did it because I had a pretty good feeling where it was going. And, you know, the thing is, when the team lost to LSU the way it did, it was pretty obvious they're not good enough to win it right now when they get to the big games at the end of the year, if they can get that far. And as the head coach, it's your responsibility when you have a team that's as good potentially as this one already is, how can I get this team to the next level? Okay. And one way you can get this team to the next level is you got, you can have a quarterback that's better than what you're playing with. And you're seeing that at Clemson right now where, you know, they replaced Kelly Bryant with Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I watched him extensively on the camp circuit last summer live one of the best high school throwers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the kid is elite on top of elite on top of elite. So Dabo Sweeney wasn't really taking that big of a risk when he made Trevor Lawrence a starting quarterback and kind of put Kelly Bryan off to the side. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is going to be a, a superstar for three years at Clemson. Then he's going to the National Football League. Okay, I, I didn't feel that we could say the same thing about Nikozi Perry. And if, I mean, there was no, no indications. And I love Nikozi Perry coming out of high school. I thought I, I never saw him live. I saw a ton of his film and I was mad impressed. Very, very impressive skill set that he showed as a high school quarterback. Now, it wasn't against great competition. You know, Cal Vanguard, they, they play class 3A in the state of Florida. It's not, it's not like the upper, upper tiers of high school football in Florida. So obviously coming to college was a whole different deal. And, 
things haven't progressed as quickly for him as a lot of people hoped. I, I thought after I watched what he did in high school, I thought he had a great chance to come right in as a true freshman and be the starting quarterback last year. And, you know, and that was based on the fact that I knew that Malik Razier was an average quarterback. He backed up Brad Kaya for three years. Brad Kaya was a slightly above average quarterback. So I kind of knew what we had in Malik. Great kid, really nice kid, but an average quarterback. And I thought that Nikozi Perry had a chance to unseat him last year. Didn't happen. And, you know, you go through spring practice, you go through fall practice, you go through scrimmages, you know, you get, you see certain things, you get different reports, whatever. And putting it all together, as we went into this season, it was pretty clear that really nobody felt that he was ready to be a starting quarterback. Plus, on top of it, he was suspended for the LSU game. So they had to focus on getting Malik ready to play that game. Now, Mark Rick's sitting there after the way they lose to LSU, and he's thinking, we're not good enough right now. How, how can I make this team better? I'm sure that's what he was doing. And the one place where he potentially could would be if he caught fire with this young quarterback that he had in the Cozy Perry. And he took a shot with it. Made no sense to Malik. Malik just came off the Toledo game where he accounted for five touchdowns. Malik talked about that today. He texted Mark Rick. They had a meeting. He point blank said, Coach, I just had five touchdowns in Toledo, and I started out the FIU game fine. Like, I, I understand that I haven't always played the greatest, but, you know, I'm on a roll right now. You know, what's going on? Mark Rick told him, you know, I just wanted to give the young kid a shot. He's coming. He's progressing. I want to see what he can do. And that's where it was left for those few weeks. And for three weeks, Malik didn't take a first-team rep in practice. Everything went into preparing the Cozy Perry. Now, you get into the Florida State game. They fall behind by 20. Mark Rick was that close to making the decision to go back then. He held off. The defense got those two quick turnovers, two quick scores. Miami's back in the game, and you know the rest. Now, as a fan base, we're all euphoric. The Canes beat Florida State. And everybody's on the Nicosi bandwagon. What I see has been lost is that it's not a five-play game, okay? If you're a coach like Mark Rick, you're looking at every play that was run in the Florida State game. And when it gets as dramatic as a gut, we have a tendency to forget everything that led up to that point. And let's not forget, Florida State is an extremely average team this year. Miami was down by 20 and very easily could have lost that game if it weren't for the defense. So then they get to Virginia, and I don't need to go through what happened in the first quarter. It was the greatest disaster you'd ever see. So to bring you up to speed, let me play some of Mark Rick's comments this week on the offense. Uh, mostly, like I said before, after the game, I mean, it was uh, mostly a matter of how we executed or lack thereof. Just too many missed assignments, too many opportunities that we had that we didn't take advantage of one way or another. There's a lot of, whether it was a drop ball here and there or an inaccurate throw or uh, a protection breaking down or, you know, when you added them all up, about 40 out of 60 plays, we, we had our own self-inflicted wounds. And you add a team that was well-prepared, had two weeks, and 
did a really nice job of playing defensive football. Those things all added up for what happened, and that's why we got to make sure everything we put in we can execute, and we got to practice. We got to practice well. Well, at least one guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And in, in, in offensive football, you got to have got to have all eleven executing. And we showed tape too of, hey, look at all the plays when everybody did right. My gosh, look what happened, you know. So, and that was a big point of emphasis. And we took, I, I think I mentioned before, at least on my coach's show, that we, on that first practice, which was Tuesday, we took every single play that we had one of those issues, got the exact same defense, and we, we just made the correction. And we, you know, you'd think you could make corrections every week, but if you got to get ready for a game the next week, it's hard to take a whole period of your scout work and designate it to something that happened last week instead of getting ready for what's about to happen this week. But by doing that, I think it helped everybody. It helped solidify in their brain how important not only is it to do it well in the game, but you got to do it well in practice in order to expect to do it well in the game. And the other thing, too, is the simula simulation of the scout team. You know, The better the scout team simulates the look, the better chance we have of executing in the game. So... Uh, I think Kosey's come far enough to play in a game when it counts the most. Right now, I think Malik gives us a better opportunity to win as the starter. So, you know, am I saying 100% he's going to get in the game? No. But, um, you know, the plan would be for our second team quarterback to get in the game. And, and any time that I've been coaching, if I got a second team guy that's ready enough to get in the game and, and is only going to get better with game reps, I want to get that guy in the game if I don't think he's going to hurt the team in some way, shape, or form. You know, I think Kosey has come far enough to at least earn the right to get into a game as a number two right now. And whether or not the situation's right and all that, like I said, we'll, we'll manage that as it comes. Are you second guessing yourself at all for changing the starting situation? Uh, well, not really because I believed what I believed, and uh, you know, so I mean, you got to go with your gut and your and your heart and what you believe is right. And when you think something's right, then you do it. And then if you think making a change back is a better decision, regardless of what people might think, you got to do it. I mean, that's what leadership's all about—to make decisions that may not be popular or may not be understood. Um, but it's just like I told all the quarterbacks. This is not a, a personal thing against anybody or for anybody. We, we as coaches are trying to get the best players to get in the game that gives the best chance to win at all positions. That's just that's, that's how we're doing it. And uh, when I made the decision to go with Kosey, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do at the time. And then uh, when I made the change, I thought that was the right thing to do at the time. So the good news is Malik handled the demotion like a man and didn't – do a bunch of things that might hurt his chance to be the guy again. He, he, he just went back to work, and he was supporting his teammate. You know, I think the other thing that's good is those two kids actually like each other a lot. I think there's a great camaraderie in the quarterback room, and I think we're all, we all want the same end, and that's the win. And if one guy felt like the other guy being in the game would help us win, I think he would say, I'd rather him be in the game, unselfishly, and that's hard to do. Um, but... Um, but anyway, I, I think we're on we're on a good track. I think I don't think uh, Malik's credibility with the team is diminished at all. I think they still believe in Malik, and I think if Kosu was in the game, they'd say let's roll. That's just how I think the team would react.
All right, so how does the offense get better against Boston College? Well, it has to get the running game going, okay? I don't care who's playing quarterback. You don't want to have to try to win a game with either Malik Rozier or Nikozi Perry having to put the team on their own shoulders and win the game, okay? So they got to be able to run the football, and that means better and more physical performances by the offensive line. I think they need to get the tight ends more involved in the passing game, even though Brevin Jordan has been steady all season and actually leads the team in receptions, believe it or not. Well, Will Mallory's a guy that's really been flashing in practice, and don't be surprised if you see more two tight end sets Friday night in Boston where they look to get Will Mallory more involved in this offense. He can become a great weapon in the middle of the field. Jeff Thomas looks healed up from the pounding he took in the FSU game. He'll need to be more of a factor in this game than he was at Virginia, where to me, he just didn't look like himself. And then it's going to come down to getting consistent play from Rozier, the kind that he provided in winning 14 games as a starting quarterback, the kind of steadiness that he showed at Toledo, accounting for those five touchdowns, and the kind that he showed for most of last season when he accounted for more touchdowns in a single season than any quarterback in Miami football history. They need to get the good Malik Rozier. They need it for the rest of the season. This is it for him. This is the end of his college football career. They need the best that he has to offer. So that's what Rick is looking for as he takes the team up to Boston and switches back to Rozier as a starter. There's so much to talk about. So let's get to your phone calls. The number is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show, and let's start tonight in the 786 where you're live on Kingsport Live. Gary, how are you, my friend? Hey, doing great. How are you, everything? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Very excited about Friday night and uh, the opportunity that it presents for this group of kids and and uh, and this coaching staff, um, you know, I, I've been very, I've been, I, I've made it clear my thoughts on CMR uh, from his decision making on in terms of staff and in terms of recruits uh, on an array of different matters. But you know, sometimes you've got to remove yourself as a blind ass fan that I am because I am one, just like everybody else here on Kane Sport, and look at things as unbiased as you can. And identify what you're bad at, what you're good at, and what you can get better at. And when you look at those three things, I, you know, I learned that a long time ago in this profession, regardless of what sport it is, there's certain things that you can't help. You know, whatever deck you got, that's the deck you were, you know, you got, and you got to, you got to go with it. Um, you know, I'm really curious, collectively as a staff between. John Rick and Thomas Brown, Stacy Searles, who's been around forever, who's seen just about every office there is. I'm really curious, as that staff and a young Todd Hartley, what did they come up with? How did they simplify things? And how are they going to get their best players in position to make plays? And, you know, you just mentioned going to a lot of two tight end sets. And I got to tell you, I, I, I really disagree with that. Because I think that that means you're making Malik more of a pocket kind of kid. What made Malik decent for us last year was running that RPO. 
was spreading the field and letting him use his feet at times. His strength, his skill set is not a positive when he's dropping back. That's not what he's good at. Um, and when you when you go to what, what you have, you might think, well, that's the best place to go. But you've got to take a look at what everybody else is doing when they don't have talent up front, Gary. When you don't have a bunch of solid offensive linemen, the only and, and not a, 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 a dominant quarterback, the only way to move the ball, it's not by trying to establish a run anymore. The game has evolved away from that. What you've got to make sure you do is get the ball out quick, get a lot of crossing and screening action outside the hashes. And what am I what am I describing? I'm describing a spread offense that everybody in the Big Twelve uses. Just about and most of college football, they got to go to that. You know, now defenses will take certain things away when you do that, and that leads to a lot of you know pump fakes and and give uh, and two step drops with a give and go on the outside. There's a lot of different things that you can do, but it, those changes. That's what I'm curious about with him. What was he able to do? And given the fact that you have a bunch of young and inexperienced wide receivers like a Pope having to play, like a Wiggins having to play, there's no way he can make that many changes. But he's got to get the ball out quick, Gary. If he doesn't, I, I don't think we have a, a shot. Well, we'll see. We'll see Friday night. That, I mean, I, I bring up Mallory because I know he's been doing well. And he, they got two elite tight end talents, and it, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense to use them both. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just, you know, and I think if we had an above average offensive line and a, and a quarterback like Brad Kaya, I think that's the way to go at this point. But that's not what you have. And that's what concerns me the most is how is that offensive line going to do better? How are they going to perform better? By masking what they're bad at. You know, a lot of smoke can, can, you know, can definitely have a lot of things that you're not good at. Um, and I'm curious. Listen, I, I, I think that most of us don't give enough credit. Me included, I'm one of the worst ones at it. There's a lot of football knowledge in that conference room. Yeah, there's some inexperience. But between, you know, between Mark Richt and Stacey, they, they've, seen the, they've seen and done a bunch of stuff with football. I mean, this is – they're credible – football minds that should be able to come up with something to address where we're at at this point in time. And I, and that's what I'm hoping for. I want to see that Gary. Well, I mean, I think the, the first step was acknowledging that they're making some mistakes, which I thought was good. And, you know, I think there is a lot of introspection going on there. One of the things I heard mentioned, you know, I heard Thomas Brown say today, are we pl- trying to play too many guys? Like, and I've always felt that that was a, potential issue with this with the staff uh they got burned by that on the defensive side certainly in dallas where, where that game turned on that 55 yard run where we didn't have a starting linebacker on the field unfathomable i mean how do you explain that late in the first quarter you're playing lsu in dallas big you know big kickoff game in college football you don't have one of your starting linebackers on the field i mean i can't ever explain that but you know unfortunately in this business when you make bad mistakes you don't get mulligans you know and then LSU game got out of hand and they never really competed in it again and you know the other night you saw how it went early and they got kind of into like a a bad deal and had to had to had to switch quarterbacks had to had to go with a guy that hadn't taken a first team rep in three weeks 
and only had four offensive possessions in the second half. So, you know, Gary, you know it is I what it is. what makes this more frustrating than anything, Gary. Is yeah, it is frustrating. But when you start adding up all the things that have transpired, you know, Amon, okay, I mean, not having him pretty much. Not, I mean, he's done, but not having him. Thomas getting hurt. Um, losing the kid from the trade from LSU, who wasn't going to be a starter, but he, he would have he would have definitely been playing some and, and giving more of an opportunity and letting a kid like, you know, DJ grow up a little bit on the outside on as a tackle. But you you start adding everything up, and it's just it's beyond frustrating. But you, you've got to look at one thing that really concerns me on the recruiting front. You know, when you evaluate talent, when you go out there and you 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 have a decision to make, and sometimes you, you can go either way on a kid. But what I learned a long time ago from a guy named Eldon Miller, you look at what does that kid do at school? What does he do with his peer group? And there is a bunch of kids, Nikosi and Casey Weldon, two kids that are vying for the quarterback position. The quarterback is the ultimate leader of a football team. The identity of your team, a lot of it lies on that guy behind center. And for them to whiff character-wise on two guys, not just talent, but just character, very frustrating because one thing about Mark, he's always been really good at, you know, not wasting his time with guys that he, he thinks are question marks. You know, this, his quick reaction to get rid of Quan and, and Grace was, okay, well, did you, did, were you somewhat, you know, dishonest? Okay, you're out. You're done. That was his choice. No one forced him to do that. No administrator forced him to do that. He wanted to start off with a clean on a clean slate, and he's never really spent time with those guys. I think the quarterback he, went, he had that went with the Cowboys had an issue, but that guy never had a problem there at Georgia. So kind of frustrating to see that he, he, he had struck out in terms of character, uh, identifying good and bad character. And I know Casey Weldon's kid, that's Weldon's kid, but – Hey, that's out the window when you're making a business decision. It doesn't matter who you're related to, i.e., see the quarterback situation, the quarterback recruit that you know with Oregon and where that coach's son went. So that's an example I wanted to bring out. But one more thing I, I really wanted to touch upon, Gary, Manny Diaz. I mean, he's 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 been having to carry not just this team, but this program. Given Come on the talent that he has and given the fact that he doesn't even have, you know, decent depth at defense to tackle this year. And this kid has just played out of his mind, but man, we're lucky he's playing out of his mind because if not, our defense wouldn't be that good. So it's like this guy's had to pretty much find ways. I mean, just the mentality he teaches every day. And without that, I don't, I think he's the one that's been carrying this program. He's doing a, doing a gr- he's doing a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. He's found the the perfect situation for him after 18 years of bouncing around college football and being a defensive coordinator that people felt it wasn't very difficult to expose. And yeah. he's come to Miami. He's found the right situation with the right types of athletes. And he's doing an unbelievable job. He's got them number one in the country right now. Don't create well, – uh, don't, don't, don't try to create as a fan a situation of division between 
the defensive coordinator, and the head coach. That's that that that's where I'll caution you. Okay. Well, you know, and, that, and that's not where I'm going. To be very frank with you, where I'm going is after a while, and if you've ever coached before, especially a position group, after a while, you know, they're going to have a bad game. After a while, because the offense keeps going three and out, you're going to tire out. And you mentioned this, or you alluded to this last week against Virginia, and maybe that was part of Mark's decision-making to do the onside kick is, you know, Virginia had two sustained drives of over eight minutes because, yep. you know, they, they, they were getting the, the dinking and the dunking. They were getting that, and we were taking everything else away. And sometimes yeah, that, I think that that takes a toll on you when you have to carry, carry, and then when you can't stop them. So they're not getting worn out. That's not an issue. Part of the thing that they're doing a great no, job I'm, of. I'm not physically worn out, mentally worn out. Because, they're not getting mentally worn out. while, Gary. You know, and I'll, I'll give you an example. When, when, when you get a pick, when you get a reception, and you come to the sideline and you put that chain on, your mind is, we're going to go score now because, we, you know, we just get in the ball we're going to go score. And when you're yeah, back out and they usually have. Four plays, Against North Carolina and Florida State, they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, against North Carolina, we scored. We were able to score off those turnovers ourselves. Our yeah. scored. But the why, point is, after a while... Why do you think Mark Rick changed you know, quarterbacks? Well, he had to. I mean, you had to change some type of... You had to change some yeah. in, there, in the game. But but I, I just think... And, and I'm, I'm not throwing that out there. I'm just telling you, after a while, it mentally takes a toll on you because you feel even more pressure because when you know yeah, but, this but guy, it's, it's just like if you're an offensive lineman. You're reaching, though. You're you know reaching. That, you're reaching. I'm just telling oh, you, you're reaching. I, I, don't know yeah, I mean, it, it was an issue in one game. Okay, almost every other game, the, the turnovers that the defense has gotten has been a catalyst for offensive scores. Oh, I, there, there's no mental, but that, but that, there's no mental breakdowns. There's mental breakdowns over losing. I think we've seen everybody having mental breakdowns in the last week over losing. Uh, but I don't think, I don't, I think if I don't you're think trying to say the defense is going to have a negative mental impact because in the Virginia game, the offense didn't score after the turnovers, no. No. Well, there's, there's, uh, I just – I don't – I mean, I see what you're saying, but I don't I, – I personally – There's got to be a level the, of frustration sooner or later. Now, what I'm telling well, you is because we're here right now, you know, hopefully, Lord willing, everything continues to roll well for us and, and we get off that, you know, the F, FSU, you know, week crap and all that stuff and we're, that week's over with and we're, we're focused again. But I'm letting you know that if it doesn't and things don't go well again – you know, mentally, yeah, you start getting pissed when you know that unless not you have to create the turnover and getting possessed of the ball, you better score because the offense ain't going to score. And that is a reality for playmakers. That is a reality for high-level players that play the game, a la Michael Irvin, a la Benny Blades. It's a mentality, a la Sean Taylor. You okay, know, you're well, playing look. in every game to, to, to okay, make a look. big play. and. The defense, listen, the defense had enough of its own problems in the, in, the, in the Florida State game to some degree until it absolutely took over the game in the second half. In the Virginia game, I mean, you mentioned the eight-minute drive, which ate up clock in the second half. Offense only had four possessions in the second half. That was one issue. How about the penalty drive at the end of the game where the offense never got the ball back. It, it was, you know, the, the, even after the disastrous onside kick, they should have had over two minutes to go try to score a touchdown and win the game. So things aren't 
it's not like everything's perfect. Yeah, they're number one in the country on defense. They're doing an incredible job. Manny Diaz is doing an incredible job. But it's not like everything is so perfect that there now is going to be some great division on this team. I don't see it. Well, I, and I'm not suggesting. If I, I saw it, I would tell you. Wow. If I saw it evolving, I would be very honest and tell you. I don't see that at all. I think these kids are very well, together with each other. Last thing before I go, Gary, recruiting-wise, given uh, – and I don't really pay attention to 2020 recruits and commits and all that stuff because, honestly, that's so far away that, it, 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 yeah, it's nice to have them, but then sometimes it's one of the worst things to have them. But, and every kid's different. But um, what type of impact do you see happening now with our, our, our offensive guys, like the guys, our targets that we want on offense – and our elite playmakers, you know, like a Neil, uh, like a like a freak, and offensively a kid like Neil. I mean, are, are we seriously thinking that we still have a shot here? Do you think we still have a shot with these elite kids, or do you think that the little offensive uh, slide that we've been in for ten games now, pretty much, unless you count, you know, Savannah State and FIU, do you think that's starting to impact kids in terms of? Hey man, I want to go someplace where I'm going to be developed and be in the best, be in the best position to make plays, to be seen, and to be on primetime television every Saturday. It'll it'll impact some kids, of course it will. But any kids that you still think we have a shot with is my question. I mean, you can't really tell. I mean, like you know, it's looked all along like Tyreek Stevenson would go somewhere else. I mean, so I mean, Miami's hanging in there. But if you had to make a bet, you wouldn't bet that he would come to Miami. I mean, Evan Neal is a 50-50 shot, probably, Miami-Alabama. So, either Hazelwood. way. What about Hazelwood, Gary? Huh? Hazelwood? What about Hazelwood? You got a great I'm shot at that kid is just, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing that kid is the best player in the state of Georgia. That's what I'm being told. I'm like, man, Georgia's got a ton of talent. I'm being told he's the ton best talent. player. Walks in and probably starts next year. Oh, shit. I mean, nice ton to of talent. Here, hopefully. And, and, and but, who's handling his recruitment? Is it Thomas Brown? Is it uh, Coach Dugans? Who's the primary Coach recruitment? Dugans. Coach Dugans is handling that. Well, I, I right, him, besides him and Hartley, they're the best at it. Gary? Let's go Thank ahead and get you. W. Stay warm. Stay warm up there and 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 Chestnut, whatever you call that area. I don't even know what the name of that place is called, but uh, stay warm and let's go, Canes, baby. All right, man. Thanks for getting the show started. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the three zero five. You're live on Team Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Hey, doing great. Who's this, Shmira? Uh, it's the only guy in Kane Sport Nation that says uh, Rozier should have been the starter and never should have given up the job since day one. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only. You're not the only one. Maybe the most vocal. Uh, so, okay, all right, I'll take that. All right, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yes, it is Shmira 55. I just jotted down a few things I wanted to discuss with you. Here we go. Um, oh, you got a you got a list tonight, huh? I mean, I'm used to Ross well, you know, to Ross showing up with a list, not you. You know what? I, I can tell you, last week I was so angry. I don't even remember actually what points I was bringing up, but now I actually thought about it for a few minutes watching this baseball game. So I'll get into a few little pointers here. 
How about halftime adjustments, Gary? I mean, most good teams and good coaches, even if you have a bad first half come out to second half and really kind of find wrinkles of where they could just, you know, take advantage of lesser teams or in general just take advantage of situations. I mean, do you really see any type of halftime adjustments where you say this team is this team is better coached than the, than the other team? Well, I mean, I thought they had a little bit of success in the second half. Let's let's take a look. The first the first possession, they had uh, a twelve play drive for fit, that consumed six minutes of clock. So they held the ball, moved down the field. What game are we talking about? Um, I'm talking about Virginia. Oh God! All right, I didn't even want to think about that game, but sure, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, but but you know, so so, so they had a good drive. Uh, coming out right. right before the half, they had a good drive. They had a six-play drive, 75 yards. So yeah. they had a little momentum going there, and then it, it all got killed on those on those short yardage, third and fourth down plays that didn't get converted. And the, you know that was a real, real, real obviously bad development. Then they had a bad possession right. on the next one, and then they were moving the ball. They they went three plays, 44 yards on the next possession, and then they had the interception. And then the fourth possession of the half, they had an 11-play, 93-yard drive. So, I mean, their best success offensively was in the second half. They just didn't get the ball enough, and they screwed up two of those drives. Uh, It was just something that just had come to my mind that I always only see. And this is over the course of years or, you know, not just one game off here or there, but better coach teams just normally come out the second half and just expose other teams you know, flawed areas. And I just haven't seen it. And I'm not saying that, you know, taking a shot at the coaches or Rick, I'm just, you know, just an observation. Um, well, we used I to see it all the time with Jimbo Fisher. He, when he went through that stretch where he was oh. owning Miami, he would come out after oh, yeah. halftime and just, and just like take the game over. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, we, you know, my, Hey, listen, my, this Mark Rick is not coming cheap to this university, and they've anteed up big dollars that puts them in the position where they could basically almost have any coach in America. So, I mean, everyone keeps making all these excuses and all this stuff. I mean, Mark Rick is not – they didn't get him on the cheap. I mean, he, they pay for his superior coaching. So, I mean, I only hope that we are getting our money's worth here. But Well, the but, look, look I think they have to this point. I mean, you've seen a steady okay. progression. You know, they did go to the Orange Bowl last year. They did play for the ACC title. Yeah. Let, let's see what happens I, in these next in these next five games. If they win five in a row here and finish out the season oh. with class, then the season would be a 10-2 season, which would be, at least in my opinion, about what anybody – the best anybody really could have honestly expected. I it, Gary, if they – if that happens, I, I I will be absolutely shocked. I'll be so happy, but I will be shocked. And we could just go to this game last week. When is the last time you saw a Miami team with their back to the wall go into a cold environment like Boston College is going to be and actually win a game? Can you name the last time you saw this happen? On the obviously on the road in a cold environment, but can you name it? I, I mean, I can't. Yeah, remember. I, re- I, I remember it happening a few years back at Virginia Tech. I think, um, you know what, and I was going to say was at the game. Yeah, I remember that. With Duke Johnson had an amazing, uh, what was it, first half? He had a, like four yeah. touchdowns that game. Yeah. I mean, All look, right. it's a football game. Anything anything can happen. 
I'll, I'll be shocked yeah. if this team doesn't go up there Friday ready to play. Right. Well, I should hope so. Now let's talk about more like the offensive line recruiting and their future. Because the way I look at it, I mean, do you see anything down the pipeline? I mean, yeah, you might mention this Evan Neal kid, which, I mean, who I, I don't know. Who, who, no one knows if he's coming. But even if he does come, I mean, is this with the kids they have committed now and just the future of just the recruiting of the position and whatever's going on, do you see anything significantly better or anything down the pipeline getting better? I mean, I, I, I certainly don't. And I'm looking at the depth chart right now. I mean, the, between the first and second teams, I mean, unless Cleveland Reed is going to be very good, unless this John Campbell's going to be excellent. I mean, DJ Scaife's are already playing. I mean, unless these kids you feel are going to be elite or at least better, I mean, aren't we going to basically see the same as what we're seeing right now, which is basically average offensive line? I mean, and we don't even have to talk about the quarterback position because we already know where I stand with that. But, I mean, do you see anything getting better in the next year or two? I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, if, if I'm honest with you, I mean, I think they're hoping that the guys you mentioned are, are going to be great players. I think they're trying to build up Corey Gaynor to be the center for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, like you, you mentioned, Evan Neal, who's an elite kind of recruit. I think that, you know, obviously they're hoping to get him. And um, I, I think they're hoping to get Donaldson playing better over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if all those things come together, they can have a decent line, but it's gonna. To me, it, the biggest issue I see is that they signed five guys last year, and only one is really contributing, and that's that's right. alarming. I mean, it could take two, three years to develop an offensive line, and it can, but I would like to see more than just Navon Donaldson amongst that right. group. They got. I mean, those guys were recruited to be the answer. And they haven't been so far. And that's where I think they're struggling right now. Sure. Because they're sure. having to play guys that just aren't very good. Ma- you know, Mahoney, Jahair Jones, Benzel Boulware, those are backup level players, guys. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you go on the you're war with backup level. For, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they you know, as fans, yeah. everybody doesn't give a, give a crap. You know, like nobody cares. All these guys that you see blowing gaskets on the message boards all day and all that, like they couldn't care less. They just want to win the game, and they don't care how you know about the you know the A's and the B's and the C's. Like that, that's not their problem, and that's that's just that's that's fine. But they're playing with backup caliber players right now on the offensive line, and where it catches you is in a game like Virginia. Yeah, I mean. I- Listen, it's going to catch you down the it road. It almost caught him. I mean, yeah, well, it almost caught him against Florida State too. Florida State, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, that 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 was a that was a prayer to get out of there with a victory, where where that game was. was. They win that game ten percent of the time. I mean, going into halftime in the scenario, they win that game one out of ten. I I, I think. I mean, that's yeah. Just, I mean, that's probably a pretty good ratio. I mean, how right. many times are you are you going to get too quick? turnovers deep in the other team's side of the field and convert them, you know, convert two of them within one minute of each other, you know, within inside of a minute. Sure. And basically with an inept offense that Florida state had, so it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like you're, you're playing against a team that's going to strike back against you, you know, so it, it, it just all worked out well that night, but then they were exposed the week after. 
But what about the what about like do you I mean how come Miami isn't hitting like the JUCO the JUCOs at all for some more immediate offensive line help and I mean I, I don't want to I don't I mean I don't know where you stand with this and I know that oh, the guy from New Jersey had always mentioned it shouldn't Miami be looking at a as a quarterback a more established quarterback you know for I the future so. I mean would you be I mean I am expecting them to be. I'm, I'm expecting I mean, them to be in the market for that this off season. I mean, if Miami has the guy and he's not great, and I and I believe he had an in at Michigan, so I think that his parents went there, something like that. But if Miami had the kid from Michigan, I would say that would probably be a lot better than we are today, or the yeah. position we're on today. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and just, so this is probably. My, I, yeah, I think there's I a great little, chance they'll be they'll be looking for that. We'll see. Okay, well, that would make me. Uh, and you know what? Let him. Let him beat us out, just like when when um, Brad Kaya beat out the kid from. Um, oh, he wasn't that good, but what was the kid from BYU or that that one year, a few years back? They brought the kid in for one year, but uh, Kaya beat him out. Same type situation. Bring the kid in and see if you know, give him a chance. And if he can't win, then you go with what you have. Obviously, it's a bad sign. But um, I all right, probably my last point here. But I watched the kid from the other day. That kid Moore that just carved up Ohio State, carved them up. You know, did you watch the game at all? No. You didn't. All right. So Talk about Purdue, basically, Purdue, uh, right? Yeah, on Purdue. Yeah. Purdue had this kid more, and they put him – he just – just they used him all over the field. You know, he's in motion half the time. They just threw little passes. And I'm not saying that Jeff Thomas is better, but a very similar build, short, you know, explosive. I mean – how do you not get – I mean, Jeff Thomas basically is our best offensive athlete, I would say, right now. I mean, we could cry about Amon Mitch Richards all we want, blah, blah, blah. But this kid, Jeff Thomas, is a, you know, a kid that you don't actually see all the time that, you know, like, you know why, how does Miami not get the, kid, the ball in his hands at least 10 times a game? It's unbelievable. I mean, put, the, put him in reverses, but he should be in motion at all times. He's going to draw double teams. It's going to draw the defense to him. I mean – a little creativity to the kids, but great, great argument. Uh, Last week he was I, playing hurt, but in general, great argument. But it, but you know what? If he's playing hurt, then put him in motion, Gary. You don't have to give yeah. him the ball, but just do a little. You know, be a little be creative. Who gets featured in this offense? Nobody. No one gets featured, and and of course the reason. I mean, I hate to say it, but if I'm a big time recruit, I mean, if I'm those. Jerry Judy's and those Amari Cooper's and all that stuff. I mean, and you see the success those kids are having Calvin Ridley's and I named, I know I just named a bunch of Alabama kids, but I mean, I mean, are you coming to Miami right now? Are they going to feature you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not so quick to jump here. Um, do you know the story with that, um, that Brandon Ingram kid, the kid that just committed to Alabama? I mean, it looked like he was a, I thought it from what I, I anticipated that he was going to be on Miami, and then all of a sudden he just turned Alabama. Is there any type yep. of inside there or no? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why he or just switched. Bama. He, he he was yeah. giving indications that he was going to Miami all through re- recruiting. Uh, we right. had our we had our suspicions on him, to be honest with you, because yeah. he was he wasn't acting like he was going to Miami. Like you would expect I, the guy I sat that, next to him and his parents during the uh, FSU game, and he seemed pretty into it, wearing all Miami gear. They were all – I mean, listen, I don't know the kid. I don't know the, the situation. But, I mean, he was at all the games. So, I mean, 
normally you can tell when they where the kids go, but I don't know, something happened in the last week or two, I guess. Yeah, something something happened there. We'll try to figure it out. But uh Gary, do I do I have your blessing that if Miami loses to Boston College to go to the Breeders' Cup over the Duke game? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, I, I won't would, hold you. I'll let you get some more guys on. Huh? All right, Schmeyer. Hey, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you next week. All right, you got it, Gary. Have a Thanks good one. Calling in. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let me take a moment now, guys, to talk to you about a restaurant you've heard me mention often this year, a place, a a chain of places that are rapidly expanding throughout South Florida, and that is Sicilian Oven. And I don't have to tell you that there are hundreds of places around town where you can go eat pizza, but there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout the South Florida area, including the location and plantation where I stopped to get lunch this afternoon. And uh, boy, was it good. At, uh, at Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining, best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And uh, these are recipes that have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And uh, so many Canes fans have been telling me that they've heard us talk about Sicilian Oven on Cane Sport Live. They went and they tried the food there, and now it's on their regular rotation of restaurants. And uh, I just I can't recommend it enough. Begins with classic pizzas that have traditional toppings, but expands far beyond that to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner. If you love wings, Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and they're served with caramelized onions. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes with eggplant and mussels and shrimp. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, all different kinds of pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you'll find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. So if you're on your way or leaving Hard Rock Stadium for the Duke game next week, for example, Visit the Plantation location at the Fountains Complex off University Drive or the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. Need a place to eat? Great food? Watch Friday night's game, for example? There are other locations. Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st and in Boca Raton. The new location on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale has a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian Oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And uh, about 20 minutes from now, we'll be having our Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. And... um, Bruce Warner will be bringing on another former Kane, uh, a guy that's always got some great opinions, uh, Mr. Kelvin Harris. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But right now, let's go back to your calls, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. And let's go out to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. Can you hear me, Gary? 
Yes, sir, man. You must have a long list tonight. You got on early. Had to get on early. I'm listening to you. Hey, listen, what about the Sicilian oven guys? Well, they go ahead and give away some, you know, like a a free meal or something, man. Every time they get you coming on, you promote the hell out of them. The restaurant. It's good, man. Free. When are you coming to South Florida for a game this year, Ross? You're from Jersey, right? Nah. Yeah, I'll be on. I'll be here next year. Um, I got business. All right. That I got chicken. Mr. Every, Mr. Everything, man, is that, you know, you made great points, Gary. That's why I need to get on early, man, because he made great points and you kind of scrambled him a little bit. You scrambled him, but he made a he made a great point and he kind of you scrambled him and he kind of backed off. Well, I'm not going to back off because here's the thing. He's well, I, I agree with almost that. with 90% of what he says. The guy's really knowledgeable. It's not like I disagreed with much. I, I just cautioned him. I know where he's going. And he wants to start creating this Manny Diaz versus Mark Rick said, thing. He said, he, he and, and, you know, I'm, I'm here in Manny Diaz. I'm seeing on the message board. Wait a minute, Rose. I'm seeing on the message boards Manny Diaz should be the head coach. And they're trying to create this whole thing with Manny Diaz. And I love Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz is the, is the perfect guy for the job he has. He's having success in this job unlike anything he has ever experienced in his career. I hope he values that. I hope he appreciates that. I hope he's willing to continue doing it for as long as he wants. Um, what I don't want to see it turn into is the defense is having success. The offense isn't Manny Diaz should be the head coach. Cause that's, or we, better that's hope, we better hope the UCF guy don't win enough over there, take a job somewhere else, and they come calling for Manny, and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be up to, you know, you know what. But um, well, Three years ago, Three years ago, Manny Diaz was bouncing around college football, and he was at Mississippi State. Okay, he had been the, he, he he had been to Texas and, and got run out of Texas. He was at Mississippi State, having average success in the SEC. They felt they that they could exploit his style of defense. He didn't have the athletes that he has here at Miami. Um, Manny Diaz's career has taken off here. Okay. It doesn't mean that he's ready to be the head coach at Miami, okay? It's like it no, just doesn't. No, I didn't say that. I said yeah. <laughs> head, coach with, head coach with a lot of money. To use out of my mind. It's like if, if the University of Miami has learned one thing during this just horrendous 13-year stretch that we've all had to endure, okay, it's that you better freaking get yourself a head coach that has been a head coach that knows what the hell he's doing and can handle a job like this. You know, this is you not a lack. Learning, you, don't, you don't think he's – I'm not trying to say he could be. He's, he needs to be the Miami coach. I'm not saying that. But while you're saying that, I might as well counteract and say you don't think he's doing a good job of learning right now from just doing being a defensive coordinator here and going out and recruiting and seeing in the room of what not to do, what to do, seeing in the stadium of what not to do, seeing in the area and in the, in the, in the environment. I think he's doing great, I, but I also know that there's a big difference between being the defensive coordinator and being a head coach. But he's he's learning. I'm not trying to call, see. That's not. I'm I'm trying to get to my point because I'm not trying to make that point. I, if he's not ready, and I'm saying he, we could lose him to UCF or one of those schools Good. with head Good. coaching money. Good. You want him to go to money UCF. Good. You want him to go to UCF and and learn and 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 learn how to be a head coach at UCF. And then if he then if he's if he if he does it for three, four, five years, and he's successful at UCF, now he's a candidate to come back to Miami and be the head coach. Just like yeah, when, it comes time to, when it comes time to replace Mark Richt, down, you know, when that happens down the road, if Mario Cristobal is successful at Oregon, 
Well, if he's successful but at Oregon and he, and he proves himself there as a head coach, now he's a candidate for Miami. But I, I just I, I hope that they've learned their lesson at the school in terms of just promoting assistance. Okay. Well, listen, he's, this is happening because everybody's not 100% remarkable, but that's not my point. Let me just let me finish up on the defensive end why why everything was kind of mentioned. And it's not about it's not about making him the head coach. It's not about division. It's about frustration. You could you keep the defense on the field long enough. I don't care who you're playing on the field. I don't care what you want to say, Gary, about eight-minute drives and all. It gets frustrating as players. It gets frustrating as fans, and we do count. We do count as fans. It's a frustrating look to the recruits. It's a frustrating look to the high school coaches. It's a frustrating look to anybody that knows what they're looking at and talking about. That's what Mr. Evans was trying to say. He was trying to make division. He said it's frustrating. It's just not fair in a sense. It's not fair for him to keep – he's the one that's carrying the water all the time. That's what. That's the point he's making, Gary. It's not about division. You can't keep asking this guy to carry the water every game. Ross, what's the strength of the team right now? It's the defense, but I'm saying – but then – Without you, question. You make the – not even close. Well, you make, you make, Not even close. Well, you can't keep, the, you, well, you, you can't lost. Keep wait a minute. You, you lost the only elite offensive player you have right now in Amon Richards. As good as we think all these receivers are, Harley, I mean, Jeff Thomas, I think, has become elite this year. But, I mean, Hightower, Harley, Langham, Cager, as great as we all want to think they are, they're, they're, you know, Amon Richards was at a higher level. You lost him, right? Yeah. Now look at the def- look at the offense. defensive side. You got when Gerald is- Willis playing elite football. You got Joe Jackson playing elite football. You got John Garvin playing elite football. You got three veteran linebackers who are good players. You got safeties playing great football. One of them a preseason All American. I mean, where is the talent right now on this football team? It's on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, to but a greater say, degree than offense. So every, that, and that, I, I keep hearing this like, oh, every, the defense is going to get so tired having to carry the show. Oh, I mean, come on, man. It's like those guys aren't thinking like that. Those guys well, are thinking, man, we're fucking, well, we're, we're, we're like great athletes, man. Like we're great and we're going to go out well, and Gary. play great. And I'm Gerald Willis. Well, and, and you know what? I screwed up the first four years of my college football, but you know what? I'm going to be so damn good this year that those oh, NFL people are going to have to draft me in, in the first round or two. Okay. Same so, thing Gary, with Jackson. So don't... You know, it, it's, it's like they're not thinking, oh, man, we got to carry the offense. Our offense stinks. I mean, they practice against that O-line every day. They know, they know how average they are. Well, Gary, look. Well, Gary, look. Well, don't criticize. Don't criticize them for eight-minute drives, then, because because Ross, time, not criticizing them. Just what I'm trying to say is there's no reason to, for there to be division on this team, and I don't think there is. I mean, we got a fan base that's like been been going insane this past week and throwing out so much noise and stuff. And I'm just trying to tell you guys, like when I go out there, I don't see a divided team. I see a group of kids that are together with each other. I don't see a team that's becoming fractured, and I don't understand why people want that. That it's almost like you want to will that to happen. But like those kids are together. Like those kids aren't because he, becoming... they're watching. They're watching in their calls on the offense, and that's carrying, that's making the defense have to suffer. 
within the game. Everybody watched college football, and we watched normal games that looked like normal games. Win or lose, the team on offense and defense looked like a normal situation. It doesn't look normal on offense. Too many inadvised call timeout at times where we don't need timeout. But let me just make some points. Let me just make some points, please. I mean, you give a lot of a lot of time. I need a lot of time too. Here's, here's the thing. You were talking about um, Mr. Everything came on and said we whipped, which we we're whipping right now in the quarterback room because we have a we have a guy that's still on some suspension. We have a guy that everybody says should be suspended or might be getting in trouble because he had a lot of lot of money on his lap in the car. So this you guys are calling it a whiff. So let's think about this for a second. So if we didn't make a quick decision and paid attention to Arthur and realized that Arthur wasn't the answer and quickly went and got Williams, that means we'd have had three guys: Arthur. Nicosi and Weldon as three guys who really can't come in and play. Almost made a terrible error by bringing in three guys that cannot play then. Is that what you're telling me? So now, so now I would totally agree with you on that. The quarterback recruiting has not been very good. And so that means he's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, and you name all these guys. Again, Mark Rave has done a good job of getting the, the practice facility, making our programs look good, make the furniture look nice, and sometimes he's just kind of messing up on games day. But it's, I'm not going to give him a break for what you just made the point. You made a great point. Well, going to finish it. But, let, but let's be honest, okay? When he left Georgia, he had the number one quarterback in the country committed there. So – in his career, he has he shown that he ran, can recruit he quarter. Ran, he's, he he's shown that he can recruit he quarterbacks, Ross. Ross, he has down. shown it. He's shown it. Okay, he's shown he can do it. Now, has he done it here yet? No, he hasn't. But he, but he has shown that he can do it. They, they, they have screwed up. They screwed up this year in isolating on a kid that wasn't elite to begin with and ended up defecting to Penn State. So you're you're absolutely making you're making a great point if your point is quarterback recruiting has not been good enough. It has not. And that means you was bringing in three. One is a favor. I don't care anybody say Walden was a favor, and we cannot be doing favors. At well, this some favor. The kid's been suspended twice. I mean, how unbelievable is that? I'm, imagine, imagine, imagine this. Okay, you're this kid's dad. Okay, and Mark Rick got you to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Okay, and you're you're basically raising your kid to be a quarterback, and all you want is for him to be able to go play for Mark Rick like you did, because Mark Rick meant so much to you. And you send him to go play for Mark Rick, and he gets suspended twice in his first year. I mean, is that unbelievable? Not really in his first year. He's getting suspended three times in his first two years. I think it's twice, but I mean, I, it's unbelievable. So I mean, all right, maybe one year and two months. I mean, this is his second year, right? You cannot, yeah. like the guy said before, I forgot his name, I screw his name up. You cannot do favors at this level. That has to stop, okay? Because that's that, that, I don't, you know, and he may, he's a decision maker on that, not his son or. Or, or Thomas or anything. He's a decision making on that. That's a, that's a failure. But anyway, but I mean, you, you see stuff like that, and you just shake your head. Like, what in the world is going on here? Exactly. You know. So now I know you're going to fight me on this one a little bit, but I'm still going to make the point. And I think you probably just want the chaos to die a little bit, so he so he came out and said it right away. 
What's, what advantage do we get by letting BC know six or seven days ahead of time that you're going with Rosier? What, 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 how does that help us? Wait, you're, you're asking how – say it again. How did I know? Why would you tell Boston College that you're going to you, – you didn't have to do any of that. You could just went ahead and prepare the guy and make the decision. You I, I think he wanted to remove the circus. I, I, I think he was looking to get rid of it and, and go into the open weekend where the kids had a few and days off with everybody cool. knowing what was happening. Yeah. I, he had to. He, he, he had to end the circus, Ross. It was the right thing. I think it was the right thing. I, I disagree. You get, you don't get now. They know exactly nah. who's going to play, and they're going to they're going to come get him. And I'm hoping that he's some way finally. There was, there was just way him. too much noise, way too much noise. And when everyone's yelling and screaming on the message boards and on on talk shows and things like that, I mean, it what starts to hit. Say, it starts to reach the kids did. and their parents yeah. and everything else. And okay, yeah. and I think yeah. he was trying to just remove that from the equation. But you teach the kid and you teach yourself to don't listen to the noise and just get it prepared and, and play. So, again, Ross, you, you know that that's not reality. Come on. You could say don't listen to the noise all you want. Is that really reality? I mean, how many weeks in a row did Mr. Herndon call this show? You don't think parents are listening to you right now? Parents of, of these kids? You know, okay, like, well, you, like you, you don't think that, that when they hear Ross from New Jersey carrying on on Kane Sport Live that – they, they're asking their kids about what Ross was talking about, or what do you think of this? Some guy on the, some guy on Kane Sport Live was saying this. Is that true? Like, you know, like you can't when 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 there's noise like what's been going on here, you know, for the last what nine days. I mean, you can't escape it. You can't. I mean, it, it's been a total nightmare. And you know, I think as it pertains to the quarterback situation, he was he knew what he had to do. I totally get it. As you know, I thought that so that's what he would do. And I, you know, it, it, it's like he got it out of the way quickly and didn't let it simmer for days. And that's a veteran head I'm coach that you see that you see operating and, and he did the right thing. I hear you. I'm just a competitor. And I, don't, I don't feel like I need to give the opponent anything to be prepared for. There, there, there's like nothing you. that any of these quarterbacks have done that you're giving away a competitive advantage. That's you think they got a game plan? Come on. That's unfair to say. You know why that's unfair? You know that's unfair to them? Because I'm going to get to that now. But anybody want to beat me up? After I come on and I hang up, they can't. You're saying that he was miserable in the first half. Again, call the proper plays, safe passes, early passes, quick passes. What He went deep twice with the kid. And you're starting the kid for the first time on the road, big game, and he went deep twice, Gary. So who fault is that? The kid has to run the play that he calls. So if you're doing safe passes, doing dinks and dunks with him just to get him in a rhythm, that's how you, that's how your freshman quarterback on the road don't make mistakes. That's how you get him not to make mistakes, yeah? But you have him doing deep passes, and then you scapegoat him by taking him out the game. You said it was a miserable first time. Time out. Okay. He completed three passes, right, for 20 yards. Would you, would you acknowledge that if you complete three passes for 20 yards, which is what, six and a half yards per catch? Would you acknowledge that those were short passes? Yeah, but you keep getting them in the rhythm. Okay, so, so what are you saying? You're supposed to be playing a quarterback that you can't go down the field with? Every pass has to be – every single pass has to be a short pass? No, but get, Gary, get in the end zone, get a three, get three points. 
get them confidence, confidence builder. You, we, we, we fashion them as a quarterback whisperer, a quarterback guru. That's what you do. You get your hey, quarterback Ross. confidence, Mike. Okay, how many, how many passes do you think Malik Rozier completed in the game? I'll answer the question. Twelve, okay? Yes. For 170 yards, yes. okay? That's what, 14 and change per, per catch? Gary, honestly, man, I, you, I don't think you could argue with a lot of people about Rozier at all because when he came in that game, he was unprepared. Like you say, he didn't take any steps. Okay, totally so unprepared, and he still went 12 of 23 for 170 yards. A lot of floaters. How many balls? How many balls did people have to save him? Ross, nobody, him? nobody has ever tried to say he's an elite quarterback, but it was screaming at Mark Richt. I, I made a mistake. I did it with good intentions. I need to correct this right now, and that's what he did. And it was a smart move on his part. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the kid. Okay, he doesn't take a snap in three weeks, Gary. But you still have to know the plays. They had to call a timeout because he didn't know how to set up his players. They weren't wrong. He was wrong about where he needs to set them up. That's a disappointment in your so-called 12-10 win um, quarterback. Even if you don't try to snap, you still got to be in your playbook. You still Ross, have to be in your playbook. you and a lot of other people keep wanting to make arguments about this kid. Like nobody – and like whoever says, would have said that he was anything better than an average quarterback. No, I've never heard anybody say that. Nobody. I don't even know that his mother would say that. We don't want average quarterback in mind. We don't want other Yeah, no duh, but you don't have better than that yet. <laughs> the, the, re, the, re, the, the reality is, as we sit here today, on October 23rd, 2018, this program doesn't have better than that yet. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the problem we're going to have. We're chasing ghosts. We well, you say we need to go on the aftermarket and get someone. What if we whip on that, and now we're going to – if I'm wrong or right, we're going to sit here yelling at each other a year from now about how bad it is. Uh, no argument. But wait, but wait, but wait. When we start next year on the road at Florida, you're going to get on yep. here and you're going to say we're we're in a bad situation because we got to start a fresh a kid that doesn't have a lot yep. of playing time, either Williams or Perry. So what? what yep. And why, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Ross. Don't think that that wasn't in the back of Mark Rick's mind too when he made that move. Don't think for one second that what you're that what you're describing right now, the situation a year from now, wasn't in the back of his mind. Jeez, you know, I'm I'm going to go into that Florida game with a quarterback that's never stepped on the field. I can't let that happen. Well, you should have sat on it and played the kid all the way through. Ross, it it started becoming very obvious that that was going to mean sacrificing this season. And you can't do that to a team. Of, you, you can't do that to a team. And, and maybe they don't win five straight here. Maybe they don't. And maybe they don't end up in Charlotte. And the whole season ended up getting screwed up over all this. It's very possible. But right now, as they get ready to go to Boston, he's got to do the best thing that he can do to give them a chance to win on Friday night. Period. Everything else is, B, is a bunch of BS. At this point, because they lost to Virginia. That wasn't in the plan. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, let's make this let's talk about this. You said um Thomas said it we are they're playing too many players. Now did you I didn't see the interview, Gary, usually I catch that and I didn't catch it. Did you at least follow up and ask him, does that mean that we was making too many switches on the offensive line? Did you did you ask him to elaborate on that? that? 
The the rotation on the offensive line this year has been ridiculous. Okay, absolutely ridiculous. You've got you went into the season, you didn't figure out before the season that Donaldson can't play right tackle. I mean, how how does that not like like how does that happen? You've got you've got elite you've got elite. Wait a minute, Ross. You got elite defensive ends on this team, right? Do you think your offensive line has enough work in practice at, at, with with Navon Donaldson having the block? Even if it was Gregory Russo and not Garvin, you know, or, or Joe Jackson. But, like, uh, they, they should have figured that out before the year, in my opinion. That was one yeah, mistake. Here's the thing. I agree with you. Here's the thing. However, wait. But wait, wait one second, Ross. Ross, wait one sec. You know, now, in fairness, if, 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 you, don't, if you move Donaldson back to guard and you leave him at guard, now you don't have a tackle. And you're never sitting there thinking that you're going to throw a true freshman out there. Like, no, there's no way. Like, they're not thinking in training camp, uh, I mean, Donaldson can play right tackle. We're going to start Scaife at right tackle. I mean, that was that, – that move. Browns, and that's where the Brown injury – and that's where the Brown injury is big. The kid – He's not any better. Ross, he's not any better. I mean, George Brown wouldn't have made a difference. Well, the point is, the like point I'm making is, without, so we don't talk about this for an hour, the whole thing's been a fiasco. Okay, you're moving guys in and out. You got your hair Jones and Bullwear flipping back and forth. You, you got Mahoney in. Now you got Donaldson going in, Mahoney coming out. You got the freshman skate going in, the tackle. I mean, it, but how, does, how, how, does how do you build an offensive line like that? Seriously. I don't know how much but you know about offensive Kelly. line play. But those guys got to be a cohesive unit. Like, and we're going to have one on in a minute, Kelvin Harris, who is, I'm sure, going to talk about this. How in the world well, give me one more. Give me one are you more. supposed How to have a good offensive line Gaynor? like this? Well, ask him this. Yeah, ask him this. How does Corey Gaynor play all those snaps last year? All those snaps last year he played, and now you're telling me he's not prepared to, to take as much snaps this year? And they're building him up. Any Ross, they're building him up physically. They're building him up physically so that he'll be ready for the next three years. You got, you got to remember, he was an undersized kid coming out of high school. All right, one he, last know, recruiting thing. One last he needed thing. a red shirt one here to get bigger and stronger. One last one, and I'm going. Um, defensive line has to be coming from Juco. We have to, because we're going to get caught again this year. We're going to be, we're losing, we're going to lose guys on the D-line. We're going to lose them. And we have to go to the Juco route. I don't know what happened I agree. with this kid that just committed to Alabama, but for, for for weeks, you and everybody else were saying he was coming. You know what happened? He was. Coach Cool is what happened. Coach Cool knows what Coach Cool knows how to come. No. Open the door. Okay. I don't All think right. Coach Cool had I'm anything to do with it. I'm going to find out, though. Okay. Gary, listen. You're backing a guy that we consider to be a duck. And I'm going to call him that until further notice. Who are you We got to get a clue cool. Who am I back? I don't back Ross. I don't back people like the, I, I, I don't I don't have a camp. I don't favor one kid over another kid. I don't back one coach over another coach or anything. I analyze I analyze what I'm seeing and I bring honest opinions to you guys. That's what I do. I don't have an agenda. I don't have favorites. It's confidence is crazy because he's texting the coach saying I was showing five teams. You see five TVs against FIU, my man. Calm down. And then he gets after the – Well, actually, it was Toledo. Whatever. He, it was still, 
that's even worse. Because guess what? We all knew you should have scored five t- um, touchdowns against that team, and now you're playing against real teams and you're, 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 you're caught. I know, but put, put, put yourself in that kid's shoes. There was no reason for him to be benched. Come on, he wasn't. He had just played his best football. If you were going to bench him, you should have benched him after LSU. The time to bench him was after LSU. Auburn, Alabama, everybody else switched on, and we got him. And this is the reason why it looks like it. Look, Gary, thank you. Keep me on hold. I'm, I'm going right, to your segment and ask him about the ask that guy about the offensive line. I'm very curious. We and will. Um, we're going to bring him on right now. We're, we're going to go to that right now. Thanks, thanks, Ross. As always, pleasure to have you on the show. All right, guys, it's time for one of our favorite moments of the show, the Sicilian Oven point-counterpoint segment with Bruce Warner and a former Canes player as his special guest. And this week, we're going to have Mr. Kelvin Harris, um, old-school offensive lineman from the glory days of the Canes, who's going to uh, enlighten us a little bit about what he thinks has been going on at the offensive line position here this year. Bruce, Kelvin... Welcome to Kane Sport Live. How you guys doing? All right. How you doing? I'm great. How's it going? It's been a rough Gary, nine days. Been, Not going to lie to you. Hell, it's been a hell of a week, man. I've been reading it's been, and reading. It's, it's, it's been, been, been pretty damn brutal. Every day. It's been, uh, that last been, caller. That last caller. There's so much to talk about right there. Was he drunk? <laughs> nah, that's Ross from what Jersey, man. He's he like, that's Ross from Jersey. He he comes armed every week. Well, that answers that. Well, he's from Jersey, right? Yeah, he's probably from Newark. That's the problem. Yeah. Watch it or I'll well, like Caesar on you. Uh, hey, we'll just throw some wings in front of him. He'll be all right. <laughs> Look, the first thing you said about giving the kids some easy passes, the second play of the game was a bubble screen. How Correct. easy can you get? I tried to tell him. Then when he did make a, then when he did make a long pass, he made a great throw. They called a holding call on Hayden Mahoney. It wasn't holding. He basically threw the, you know, he blocked the guy down to the ground. He called. I don't know where he got the holding call, but that was not holding. So then that put us behind the chain. That you know, starts a whole progression where now you can't do certain things. But I mean, uh. Are y'all trying to say that there's dissension in the team? Yeah, that's what I said. People might be trying to say it. Yeah, some of these people are saying it. Yeah, dissension on this team. There's no dissension on this team. none. No, those kids are close with each other, and they actually like their coaches. Now, if be honest with you, if anybody they're upset with is probably Nicosi Perry. I mean, they wanted to give him this job in the spring. But because he was doing dumb stuff, they couldn't. Gladen. And then, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, they should have kept him in and, you know, you know, just took his lumps. So what does that say to your defense? That's the number one defense in the country. And we're just going to chalk it up. We're going to let this kid call plays, throw in the coverage, and make your job tough. That would have caused dissension. He did the right thing. Well, I think he audibled a few times out of plays that he shouldn't have done, and that cost him. He audibled on both of those picks. Yeah, on both of those picks, right. So I think the trust factor, Gary, is not there, and and that's obvious. And so I don't think he's got a choice. I mean, you're arguing Rozier never should have lost the job, and, and Kelvin was saying the same thing. I mean, one of the things that we all talked about was 
the supposed you know increase in his production from last year to this year. I haven't seen that. I mean, both of you guys were talking about it, not together, well, but separately. But I haven't really seen it. Well, I'll say this: he played a lot better in this game than he did in LSU because LSU he lost that game for us. I mean, I I don't I don't like to blame kids. I mean, he missed he left two touchdowns on. If you break the LSU game down, it comes down to this: pick six. And Bradley Jennings running to Arlington and leaving the B gap open for that kid to have that 50 yard run. Right. Take those two out. The two touchdowns he missed because there's there's one play where they were in cover three, and the safeties, the safety rolled to the strong side of the field, and the other guy on the on the boundary side didn't drop, and we had two guys rolling weak, wide open, and he never looked at either one of them. That, that may have been the pass he overthrew. Uh, I don't know who it was. It may have been Brevin Jordan or something. But he was – yeah, there was two guys wide open. Let's get to the other stuff that Gary was talking about with the last caller. And you and I talked. The offensive line. I mean, you heard Gary's explanation for all this guys rotating and they're, they're stuck. They don't have certain positions. We only have four – we only have four good offensive linemen. Like, uh, Coach Searles, I talked to him at the alumni thing this spring. All right. And I remember we were – drinking beers, you know, having a good time at the thing. I said, you know, at number 55 could be Larry Allen at right guard. And he says, yeah, I know. But I ain't got nobody else to play tackle. So I said, well, what about this kid from LSU? He says, I don't trust him. I just don't trust him. He doesn't show up every day. He's not consistent. And that's a, that's a, that's a theme amongst coaches. We used to have that when Coach Johnson was there on the, on the way to the training table. Can, or excuse me, training room. Can we trust you? So then the Brown kid gets hurt. They have no choice. They got to put Don for the guard. And then Bullwear didn't get there till the fall. And then it took him a while to learn the whole offense. Uh, Mahoney's been playing pretty good over the last couple of weeks. He's gotten bull rushed. And then the Jerry Jones kid, he stepped up in the spring, but he probably shouldn't be in the rotation. <laughs> So that doesn't leave you much. Tyree St. Louis, who has been a turnstile. And the- well, he hasn't actually been that. I got to say this. As a pass block, he hasn't actually been that bad. It's just that I would like to see a little bit more urgency out of him. Now, of course, I spoke to somebody today, a personnel person who you know, didn't think too highly of him, but okay. even well, he had to admit that he's gonna, that he's going to probably play in the league because, look, right now, and on the game, one of the games I was watching this weekend, the the, the sideline reporter said he spoke to Bill Polian last week. And Bill Polian said, yeah, there's a glaring uh, nervousness in the league about quarterbacks because there's just not that many good ones. But there's a crisis on the O-line. So, yeah. and I can't, think, I can't think of one left tackle. Okay, one, kid from Mississippi, Greg Little. He's the only one I can think of in this country right now in the next two years that deserves to be drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. We see right, it with so the Dolphins. We, so we got the offensive line that we have. What do you do if you're the offensive coordinator? If you can't really run the ball, they're daring you to, they're daring you to run because they're going to stop it. What about, you know, we're talking about all these short passes. What would you do if you're the offensive coordinator? I'm anointing you. You're the new OC. What do you do? Well... First of all, the Scaife kid, I know he's a true freshman, but he's got to step it up a notch. Because if he steps it up a notch at right tackle, then we can run behind Donaldson at right guard. 
And I got to be honest with you, they're not running the offense they want to run. They don't have a fullback because they had the red shirt, Relis George, and Chalk is not a blocker. And then they don't have a tight end really to block. I mean, Reverend Jordan is a good receiving tight end, but he's still learning how to block. And Mike mm-hmm. Irvin's hurt. So what that he was, really that wants was a to big do, loss, although people don't realize it. There's a huge loss because we could have went two tight end sets with Mike Irvin and Brevin Jordan, and Brevin Jordan could have been David and Juco. Because remember, David and Juco couldn't block to save his life either. But that's not what mm-hmm. they asked him to do. But I think it helped Brevin Jordan in the long run because he's a first-round draft pick waiting to happen. But if <clears throat> if I'm Mark, I take a page out of LSU's playbook. We got more talent offense at LSU. We got similar problems in the offensive line. Pretty much everybody in the country has the same problem. So probably a lot of bubble screens, um, some stop routes. Basically, we got to find a way to get people from, from bracketing Jeff. Because, like, my man, uh, Tony Covington, was the, the, the color analyst for Virginia. And he played in Virginia. He was telling me before the game, hey, man, that number four ain't going to beat us. They came in with a game plan of we're going to stop the run and we're not going to let Jeff Thomas beat us because they didn't believe the rest of the receivers could get any separation. And, uh, well, they were right. And they were right. And that's correct. So why isn't Pope getting the ball underneath? I mean, he's supposed to have good moves. I don't, want, I don't know why they're throwing it down the field to him. Guys like that should be catching these bubble screens and these quick slants and let them run with the ball. Uh, but it's not happening. Those are, those are issues that they, I, I don't know if it's going to be changed on Friday. I think all of us are sitting here waiting to watch this game on Friday and see what, what the hell Rick does to make a difference. And, and I think that's why there's – stress and frustration and anger on this board because we haven't seen it we've seen all these horrible first halves and in the second half except the the florida state game where basically the defense won the game first we haven't done much some of these last few callers were dead on with the second half um well yeah the defense uh same thing with michigan uh their defense wins the game for them i don't hear them complaining but yeah, this, this may be it for the next five games, Gary. This could, this we may be seeing the same thing we saw last week for the next five weeks. Well, well, hold on. There's a there's a phrase that I think our fans need to understand. That you know, I saw people talking about man, maybe you should bring Jeff Fish in and all this shit. Complimentary football. And you're talking about a guy who was in the SEC for 15 years. And that is the staple of the SEC, complimentary football. Before this year, Alabama were in the same – well, okay, Kiffin is a master play caller. So when Kiffin came in, it was a little different. But before Kiffin, they were running the same stuff that you see us run, that you see Georgia run, that you see LSU run, because that's the SEC. They play great defense. They they don't turn the ball over. A trick play every now and then. They just out-personnel you. And I know it's like, you know, he made an adjustment in the Florida State game where he realized that Tyree said, well, I'll say this, Tyree St. Louis didn't do that bad of a no, job. Those against, teams uh, we talked about were out-physically everybody. We're not out-physically anybody, especially on offense. Not, we have not an offensive line. 
All right, and we have skilled people, so we need to get them the ball so they can make plays. Because it ain't going to happen with power football with that offensive line. Why can't he see this? And let's see if he sees it come so, Friday. Because so I what happens? I know Gary talked about noise before, and I want Gary in this conversation. But he talked about noise. If we lose on Friday, I don't think Gary knows what the word noise is going to be like. If we come back Friday, we lose. I mean, <laughs> if we lose on Friday, you know, if we lose on Friday, that means that Malik Rozier is throwing about three picks. Yeah. And the weather's going to be bad, no less. Which is why it's going to be a close game, but we'll win. Because here's the problem for Boston College. They have no team speed, and they're built around the run game. Well, A.J. Dillon's been out for like three weeks. He, he's, the play, other guys, he's playing. He's playing, but he's not going to be 100%. Uh-huh. He and, will be against us. You'll see. He'll be hurt next week, but this Friday he'll be 100%. No, he'll, he'll come out. He'll be, he'll, he'll be feisty, but let me tell you something. Their strength is our strength. So now on their defense, they got a stout defensive line. I just think if Malik Rozier doesn't turn the ball over, we'll win a game. We'll probably win it like 21-10 or something. And it's not going to be 40-something, you know, 17. We just – Malik Rozier is not capable of that. But the crazy part about it is three to four times a game, he gives you a great throw. Like that throw to Cager. It's like that's a great throw. I mean – he has his moments, but he's very limited. And if you're the play caller, you're kind of stuck because you can't really go power because you don't have the, 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 the elements. And at some point, people start putting – they start pressing you and they take away the bubble. So, yeah, what happens when they take away the bubble screen? Because Boston College plays a lot of man, straight-up man. So now they impress coverage, so ain't no bubble screen, and they're trying to stick eight in the box. What do you do? Throw the ball over their heads. Exactly. So you gotta, you gotta it goes take, back. You got to take your shots, but you got to take your shots when you want to take it, not because you just feel like throwing bombs into two and three, you know, covers. Gotta well, the covers, one thing, two and three guys. The, the one thing I want to see Mark do, because I get what he's doing offensively. I just think he needs to use more crossing routes. Right. He doesn't use a lot of crossing routes. Crossing great, routes great for Jeff. Point. He uses deep crossing routes for Jeff Thomas, but teams have said he's not going to beat us. So they're going to bracket him. And what that means is they're going to have a guy over underneath him and a guy over the top. The safety is going to always be over the top of Jeff Thomas. Which is why Cajun was open on that one play because the safety followed Thomas. That's why he's so, open a lot and Brevin Jordan's going to be open a lot. But if that's what they're going to do, we've got to take advantage of it. You know, and I still think we need to roll out Rozier and not run all the time. Run, roll out and throw. Roll out and throw. Then he could run. He's got to mix it up. Um, let's let's go on to something else. I know some of these guys want to talk about recruiting. So, um, and if that's okay with Gary, but, you know, this Evan Neal is a, is a big topic of conversation. So you, you know him, and you know, you know, his, what's his cousin, you know, the Gary family, because you talk to them, and you yeah. talk to me about it. So this kid is between Miami and Alabama. You also told me you don't Supposedly. Think, yeah, well, supposedly. Um, you know, the family wants him there. The mother wants him at Miami. But you made a comment to me yesterday that he might not be a tackle. He might be a guard. Yeah, he's not ready to be a tackle. I know everybody's wanting uh, him the left tackle position next year. but that Left tackle? Be. Hell no. He don't even play left tackle at IMG. Now, the thing about it is, whatever combination you have with him and Nervon Donaldson on the right side, that is scary. Scaife will probably be the left tackle next year. I think Donaldson will probably end up being the right guard or right tackle if we sign Neil, and he can come in early 
and go through spring. But they got a couple of other O-linemen. And then, you know, uh, Coach Searles told me he likes all these young guys. Be, don't, 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 don't sleep on Cleveland Reed. And um, he likes Delonte Hillary and the Campbell kid. The Campbell kid just got to gain weight because he was only 280, 285. Yep. Yeah, they so, like all three of those guys. And they think Gaynor can be a uh, decent center. They like all three of those guys, well, and they Gaynor, think Gaynor can be a decent Gaynor center. Was, Gaynor was hurt, and they decided to redshirt him because he was only like 280. Yep. But Larry Bluestein was all over that kid, and then he played some last year, and he played well at guard. So if he can get up to 295, 300, he'll be a great center force. Yeah, that's and what they're thinking. They have to him build him up physically. Yeah, you put him at center. You got a kid for three years at center. Um, you know, you got Cle- Cleveland Reed is like 330 pounds. That's the kind of guy that they want. Because, make no mistake, they want to pound people. And the last, these, you know, if you think about it, we got Jahir, Gaudier, uh, St. Louis, and Mahoney. All are from the prior regime, and their body types are different. Their physicality is different. They're looking for – that's why they are so hard on the Cardell Thomas kid, which I think before LSU went on this run, I think we had a stronger – we still got a shot for him because he wants to be in entertainment, but I think he's going to end up going to LSU. Now, if we could get him and Evan Neal, and then from what I understand, the, Delon- the, the Lucas kid is still – pretty much going to FSU. Um, but they got their eyes. They're going to recruit Georgia hard for, for linemen. And I think we're going to be successful. We got a couple of good D linemen coming in. We're, we're going to be all right. It, just, it takes and a little then, time to, to, to build an offensive line the way you want it. Well, yeah, especially now when, like, one of the bigger problems is a lot of these schools don't even do it inside run anymore, you know, nine on seven. They don't they, they cut down the individual period. It's all about the scheme. And so if you don't work on your technique as an offensive lineman, you can't get that's the problem that Eric Flowers had. Okay, per the new rules in the NFL, how does Eric Flowers get better once the season starts? He gets beat. You can only be in pads seventeen times. So he can't get a lot of work at getting better at what he's doing wrong because he can't go full speed because of the new rules. So if you come into the season bad, you're stuck. And I just think, you know. He got stuck three years in a row. <laughs> he hasn't been good at it. <laughs> well, actually, the person that needs to be up on charges is Nate Solder. Oh, my God. You talk about a thief. But, you know, I think I think Eric will be good in Jacksonville because Brandon Linder is there. And that's somebody that's familiar. And Brandon is, you know, he's the center. And he, you know, he runs that offense. And I think Gaudier hadn't done a bad job for us at center. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him go to guard and maybe put Mahoney at center. But, you know, because Mahoney has his moments, but he gets bull rushed a little too much for me. He doesn't get a lot of knee bend. Gary, you got any thoughts? No, I'm just like. Are you just listening? I'm a, I'm agreeing with every, you know, everything you guys are saying. You know, it's. Well, there's one thing that guy said about the quarterbacking, 
about we've missed on the quarterback. Nikosi Perry was the number three dual-threat quarterback in the country behind Tua Tagalavloa, or however you say his name, and Kellen Mond. So if you're thinking that we missed on him, no, we didn't miss on him. We might have misinterpreted his uh, character, talent level, as according to the experts, is that he was top of the line. But who knew he likes to hang out and do crazy stuff like, like show money in a <laughs> I just think Club I just think stuff like that. I just think that um he needs somebody to pull him to the side right now. Someone that's from Ocala and they need to tell him, Hey, look, what you need to do is go to the bank, withdraw all your money but a dollar, ride over to keep his game. Walk out to the to the beachfront and toss all that money in the water because that's what you're doing right now. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if he doesn't shape up, I think in the next two weeks, they're going to move on to Jaron Williams because there's some people who think Jaron Williams is better than him. And I think you're right. And I think I don't know what's your opinion, Gary. I I said to you during the week, Williams has to play this year his four max games because they have to know what they have. Uh, he's been and, banged up and, and, a little he, bit. He lost some okay. practice time. He he's banged up a little bit. They're giving him some reps as a as a third teamer. I just I don't see it happening. I mean, he might get into a couple more games if the if the um, opportunity presents itself. I don't see him getting extensive playing time this year. They better hope they better hope uh, that uh, Perry and Weldon don't leave the school because then they'd be in real trouble. And it's possible. It, it is possible. Every uh, every school has got that worry now because it is the transfer rules. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see K-Well transferring. And, you know, the one guy was talking about it being a favor. I think the reason why he came here is, yeah, you you hit it on the head, Gary, because Casey Weldon thinks the world of Mark Rick, and he trusts Mark Rick with his son. Now, his son seems to have a little uh, um, Kevin Olsen in him, and, you know, we just (laughs) – Gonna have to get get that out of him. But when you bring in K. Weldon, I mean, I'm sure Casey's told him, "Look, if you think you're gonna play as a freshman or a sophomore, you're delusional. Just stay around, develop, and then your junior year, you'll have a shot to be the quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, you can grad transfer out, go somewhere else." Well, I think he's got a shot next year if he gets his head together between what Perry is doing off the field, and we don't know what Williams can do. Um, I know you got to go back to these callers, uh, Gary. Yep. But since this is Sicilian oven, Sicilian uh, oven uh, point counterpoint, I do have a quick quiz for Kelvin. So, <laughs> which uh, answer? Uh, you need one uh, one answer on this. A. What's the best food at Sicilian oven? Oven roasted wings, the salad, <clears throat> the rigatoni and meatballs, the, oh! carrot, the carrot cake and the vanilla ice cream, or E. All of the above. Oh, wow, I gotta go with E. Yeah, I know because you've eaten everything else on that menu. Yeah, well, I haven't had the chicken palm, but we're gonna take care of that on Friday. Yeah, Friday. So, uh, yeah, we'll be there Friday with some of the guys. If anybody wants to go, we'll be at the Aventura store. Gary, I know you're gonna be in Boston freezing your ass off, but have a good you're going trip. to Boston? No, we're going. To oh yeah, you know, he's going to Boston. Oh. Yeah. Why would you do that? I go to every game, Kelvin. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fair weather analyst or whatever you want to call me. 
<laughs> I've been to just about every hey, game for the last 38 years, I think, it's going on now. You better keep your helmet on, because I remember my experience in Boston. They threw uh, they threw old English at us and uh, called us not-so-flattering names as we walked into the locker room. A lot is that of, the game that Stephen oh, got hurt? Yes, it is. Yeah, I know. That was bad. A lot of, a lot of crazy times in Boston, but uh, this is a big game, guys. They got to find some game. way to go up there and win and get this thing headed back in the right direction. Yep. All right. Well, hey, thank you so you. much. I don't think it's that serious. I think we're going to win and win easy, but not blow yeah. them out. I hope you're right because that's what everybody needs this week. Good. Yeah. We got to get this thing back on the right track. We got to get the fan base feeling a little bit better. You know, it's been a rough nine days. It's been brutal. So we'll see what yeah. happens Friday night. All right, All right, Kelvin. Hey, right. thank you so much for being part of the show. And Bruce, thank you again. And uh, Kelvin, we'll, we'll catch up with you down the road sometime. And uh, Bruce, talk to you again next week. Yeah, all right. you too, Gary. And Kelvin, don't call me 7 o'clock in the morning, please. Just wait till 7.30. <laughs> all right, I'll talk all right. to you. Th- th- I'll thank you, guys. Bruce. All right. All right. Yeah. Have a great night, guys. All right, that was the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment with uh, Bruce Warner and our guest this week, Kelvin Harris. Um, time to get back to your calls, and I'm going to get to those questions I talked about from the posters at canesport.com real, real soon here. But I want to get back to your calls since we do have some guys who have been on, on hold. 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I'll let those guys go for a little bit because I thought Calvin was making a lot of really good points. Um, but now let's get back at it. Let's go to the 786. Nope, nope, nope. I already did that, did that one. Don't want to do that one again. Let's go out to the 845. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how are you? Hey, what's up, Greg? Man, I'm not used to talking to you in the 9 o'clock hour. I know, you're right. I'll tell you, it was a pleasure listening to your guest after listening to Ross for about a half an hour. This guy <laughs> was so knowledgeable. It was amazing. He yeah, all these former players thing. are. It's great. That, that, I love having them on. Cause... Right. I think he's wrong about Evan Neal. Evan Neal played left tackle when they played modern day this year. I don't know. Yeah, he, he is playing left tackle. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. I want to start out, I did a little research since I don't have much to do these days. But anyway, in the last four recruiting classes, Virginia has a total of two four-star recruits. We have 33 and two five-stars. How are they yep. even on the field with us? It's Greg, such a we, we, see it. we see it every week in college football. I agree with you. I don't know how you explain it. Uh, I, I guess the, the best way to explain it is, you know, there's a lot of very good coaches out there who, you know, can scheme things up and, and get their kids playing at a high level, and they put it all together on certain weeks, and they win. But that's why a team like Virginia will get hot for a while. They'll upset Miami. They'll go on the road, and they'll beat Duke and play as well as they did at Duke. And next week they might lose to, I don't know, I'd have to look at their schedule, but, like, they're not going to win every game. Like, you know, those teams can put you know, little stretches together, but eventually uh, they, they, they return to being what they really are, which are, you know, average to above average teams. Uh, before I get on to my next point, I wanted to shout, give a shout-out to Chris Hearn that he's playing really well for the Jets. Playing great. He had a touchdown. He almost had two this week. 
He's really playing well. I'm happy for him and his father. Um, all right. I want to. Do you think Mark Rick's offense is affecting our recruiting on offense? We only have five recruits on offense this year. No, I don't. I I think that there's they have a lot of kids that are going to commit here down the stretch, and it'll straighten itself out. Well, this guy uh, Ingram, Ingram, whatever his name is. The yeah, guy said it was Coach Cole. It was not. It was Panunzio who recruited him, actually. Yeah, Panunzio's the guy. Right. Anyway, um, Malik Rozier, Jahir Jones, playing those people is like accepting mediocrity. If if we lose this week, Gary, is do you want Malik Rozier to start next next game after that, Duke? Uh, uh, I I mean, listen. They lose this week, they're not going to Charlotte. I don't right. see, you know, right. I, you know. It, I I made that. I, I was just talking about Virginia, but now that I'm looking at their schedule, I mean, they play North Carolina at home, they play Pittsburgh at home, which you know they could lose that game. Uh, they play at Georgia Tech, they could lose that game, and they play at Virginia Tech, which I think they will lose. But I mean. You know, I, I don't know, man. It's like if you go to two losses in the conference, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough to still get to Charlotte. I guess as long as it's mathematically possible, you got to make your decision based on what's best for this season. But when you get to the point down the stretch, if you're just going to a, a mid-tier bowl game, uh, I think you got to play the young guys and start looking towards next year. All right. What was the temperature at Virginia the other night? Just, uh, um, I think it was 50s? in the 50s. Yeah, 50s. Okay, it's going to be a little cooler this week, I think. Yes, it will. I, I remember we did play a good game up at Pittsburgh, not last year, obviously, two years earlier when Stacy Coley went crazy. So we, we have won in the cold weather, but it's a, this is a night game, so I don't know. But... Um, now, as far as recruiting, last week you mentioned that you thought recruiting was doing well. We have seven D commits already in this class and five in the 2020 class. Do you think anything any, – we had two this week, didn't we, in the 2020 class D commit? Uh, the kid from uh, the offensive lineman and the there was there, there was one. Lineman. I think there was no, one. No, Jonathan Dennis and Elijah right. Roberts. They both decommitted in the last week after that Virginia game. You think it had anything to do with that? I think 2020 and 2021 commits are not anything to take too seriously, quite honestly. When it starts getting inside of a year, that's when you take it seriously. I mean, you think about how, how so many kids commit two years out and, and end up saying, no, you know what? I want to be recruited. Right. I mean, they take, they take them, but look, the school ends up dropping as many of them as they drop themselves. So I don't, I don't as, get all worked up about that. Okay. The, the recruiting aspect of our home schedule last year, I was at the Virginia tech and Notre Dame games. There was a amazing atmospheres. You look at our schedule in 2019. What's our premier home game? Virginia Tech. I mean, we don't play. 
we're not going to draw 60,000 fans to most of these games. No. I guess some of these recruits want to play in front of 100,000 people every game. Like yeah, I think that I think that they they they've made a mistake. I mean, I like playing the big game at the beginning of the year, but when it's at the expense of a good home game, also like I I don't I mean I I think they got to get back to having big games like the Notre Dame last game last year, um, in in Hard Rock Stadium. I mean. That was phenomenal. Well, why can't we have a home and home with Florida instead of playing in that? Because Florida won't schedule it. Because they won't schedule it. They scheduled it before. We had one uh, a few years. I mean, ten years. Yeah, ago I, I mean, I um, I personally think that those games in that atmosphere at that stadium mean so much to this program. I would almost take the, the more difficult schedule. Right, and take the chance. Take the chance on losing. I mean, it, it means so much to have that type of atmosphere in that stadium because you're not going to get it for the ACC games that aren't Florida State. Right. If we lose this week, how many people do you think are going to come to the Duke game? Yeah, I agree. Not many. I mean, the Virginia Tech last year was pretty good, but yeah, it was great. It was really good. Well, I'm coming down for the Duke game. I want to try your Sicilian oven. I got a place Do it. in Tamara. It's great. It's, uh, you said there's one in Plantation, so he's the closest one. All right. All right, Gary. Thanks for the time. I'll talk to you next week. All right, Greg. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go out to the uh, 917 now. You're live on King Sport Live. It's, uh, talk, talk into your phone. Hey, Gary, what's up, BK? There you are. Okay. How are you, BK? How what's you doing going this week? Um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. I've been trying to get these calls in, but I'm always at work <laughs> when the show goes on. But listen. Oh, are you really? You know, just I'm going to keep – yeah, I'm going to keep it real quick. You know, the guys you had on pretty much just summed up everything I was going to say. But I'll just say, you know, like one thing that wasn't really touched on. Like, we're losing a lot of recruits from the 2020 class. Like, what's going on with that? Is it, in fact – of what's going on now with the, you know, with the losing and the constant upheaval, the talking and all that stuff? Nah, I think what happens is that kids start getting attention from a lot of different schools. The kids that are really good start getting attention from really good schools. And those coaches are saying to them, listen, you know, you're cheating yourself if you're committed this early to Miami. Go through the process. Let us recruit you. Come see our school go see other schools and, and go through recruiting the right way. Don't just say I'm committed to Miami two years before you need to be. And the kids listen to that. And unless their mind is dead set that they're going to Miami, they say, you know what, you're right. And they decommit. And very rarely do they come back. But, you know, you see some kids like Akeem Dent right now, considering flipping back. Um, Renato Brown up in Palm Beach is another one that was a former commit decommitted. Well, he, they might. You know, we'll see. Um, no, that'd be good because Stevenson isn't looking that great anymore. <laughs> you know. Oh, you know, I mean, they're they're hanging in there with Stevenson too. I mean, it's not out of the question yeah. they get a And now you got elite cornerbacks for the next three years. I mean, it, it, that's how quickly right. things can happen. It's just, you know, in recruiting, you just got to battle it out. When you're Miami, you're gonna have to put up with some other schools coming into South Florida, and mm. you know, do what they got to do to steal a kid here or there, and 
Yeah, you know? but unfortunately, you know, women could cure cure that a little bit, you know, like you know, help. you know, getting them little style points, you know, you know, putting up a little no style doubt. points for the for these kids, you know. Okay, no one doubt. other thing, one other thing, this is the last thing. Um, you know, the guys have mentioned it before. Let's just say if Rosier just is pretty much wins out, the rest of the games are all tough. Are all tough games. These teams usually play us tough. We got Virginia Tech, we got Duke, we got Georgia Tech, and and then Pittsburgh, right? And then Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh always plays the stuff. So the next string of games are going to be all pretty tough for us. And let's just say Malik Rozier finished out the season as the starter. And we didn't have the, the room to, like, bring in a, a Perry for cleanup duty because every game is close. Now, I think the, one of the callers prior said, you know, that could potentially affect next year's quarterback battle, I'm assuming. You know what I'm saying? Because – I'm personally, I'm a fan of Jaron Williams. So what happens if Jaron Williams has an amazing spring and now it's a battle, he wins out the starting job, and what happens with Perry and, and, and Weldon? I don't think Perry sticks around. Oh, or no. am I just overthinking this whole no, thing? You know? No, you're not. I mean, anything can happen with these kids. Right. I mean, the whole thing is in such a state of flux and we have no idea who's really going to emerge, who's really going to be good, who's not going to be good. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's not an ideal situation. Yeah, It's not because if Malik finishes out the season and none of these guys could get into the game because the games are so close, uh, it's open season. You know, that spring is going to be interesting. That spring is going to be real interesting because I think Williams has the, you know, he has the most potential out of the quarterbacks that are left on the team. So he could turn it all around. He wins the starting job, we got problems. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We we got serious problems. Yeah. Because I can't see Perry sticking around, especially you know you know he's a bit immature, so he might cut and run. But you know that's it. I I don't want to stay on too long. I just wanted to make sure I participate. So you could keep me on hold and get to another caller. All right, man. PK, glad you got a few minutes off of work to call in. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Gary. You got it, man. Let's go to the 770. You're live on King Sport Live. Yes, Gary. Yes, sir. You, um, yeah, you blocked me today, but that's cool. Hey, life goes on. Hey, I deserve, hey, I was trying to get is blocked. It, you know, is this you, I'm, Steve? I, Steve, this, is this you? Yeah, this is Steve. This is Hurricane right. Green. Atlanta right. Steve. I, I was trying to get blocked. Dude, I, I, you were you you wait, time out. Let me just explain I'm, I'm that insane. to you. For the last for the last right week, now. time out, Steve. Time out. Because I just want to clarify. For the last week, your posts on that message board have been the filthiest disgusting language. Constant no, profanity. No. Dude, we let you ride hey, for a whole I give, week. I give just as good. I give just as good as I get, Gary. And you don't understand that. You don't say Steve. nothing about those guys cussing me and calling me out my name. I know you see it because they call. I only respond to what I'm getting. If I get hit, I'm gonna hit back, and I'm gonna try to hit back twice as hard. Yeah. So you know, yeah, don't mess Steve. with me. Unlike my but, coach, I'm not nothing to play with, Gary. You know right, what I'm but saying? Steve. But you can't go on a message board using that kind of language, man. All right. I, hey, I'm glad you – yeah, I, I know. I know. I was wrong. I apologize. But I was All right. trying to get – So when you're, re- when you're ready to so clean you know it up, I'll you let me know, okay? You let me know I when will. you're ready to clean it up and we'll – That's we'll, why we'll, I held we'll... on all night. 
That's why right. I was in there. I was in there like a quarter till, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm still hot. And I listen every time I hear you. And a lot of these guys going off on these players ain't nobody good enough on this offensive team when all of these kids was four stars, some five, some three, some could have went to Alabama, Georgia, Carolina, Michigan. Ohio they got they State. got plenty of but talent on offense. To come come to Miami and and all we can get out of you guys is ain't nobody good enough. What about these coaches? When are they Steve, gonna step up they, and grow up Steve, and be have, mature? When are they gonna Steve, mature? They plenty... When is Mont Rick gonna be mature? Steve, Come they on, have plenty man. of talent. You're you're not totally wrong by any stretch. They have plenty of talent on offense to have a good offense. The problem they have is they have an average offensive line and they have an average quarterback. That's bringing the whole Why? thing down. Why are they average, Gary? Because, because they the haven't recruited well. They haven't recruited average. well enough at those. No, they haven't recruited no, well enough. Man, the coaching staff on that offense is average to below average, Gary. Well, and they're beating themselves up this week, too. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well okay, whatever. We already I mean, they're not, just blaming, they're not just blaming the kids for what happened in Virginia. They're blaming themselves, Sound too. Sound like it. Sound like it. I heard Mark no. interview. Sound like he threw the kids under the bus. Nobody no, doing didn't. their assignments. Everybody, 48 plays where everybody was. Yeah, but whose fault is but whose fault is that, Steve? They know they know that they're responsible for putting the kids out on the field and performing the right way. They you know they're not they're not throwing kids under the bus. They're saying we got to do better. Gary, this Nicosia Perry bashing has got to stop. The kid looked like he could. All the kid high school films. All the indication is the kid can throw the ball. It ain't it ain't his fault. The offensive line coach can't develop and they can't discipline the offensive lineman and come up with a blocking scheme that every play that is called will work or the majority of the plays will work and not fail. Every, all of them can't work. Every now and blitz going to get through. Every now and then. Every now and then. But the receivers don't come back to the route. Everybody keep praising Ron Dugan. I see a lot of those routes are garbage. They don't come all the way back and attack the routes. They never run crossing routes. They don't run um, pick routes. There's a whole bunch of stuff that that offensive scheme is lacking that could help any of those quarterbacks out. Probably could help Malik be better. You know, I'm sick of us blaming these kids when they haven't been given the, the tools to be successful by the people who's running this program. Point hey, point. I don't the, the I don't think that they're just blaming the kids. I think they're blaming themselves too, Steve. I've seen coaches humbled this week like you don't usually see. I mean, I yeah, I, I mean, go listen to what Tom, look at what Thomas yeah. Brown's interview today. I mean, yeah, Malik, these coaches Malik, are are they're, it's How old is Malik? How old is Malik? Malik he's probably 22 by now. Yeah, how old is not not Malik. Y'all, uh, He's probably nineteen. You gotta get that. I know he's the quarterback. Yada yada yada. Well, Mark Rick is the head coach. He's supposed to know how to de- design an offense, and, and everybody keep making excuses for him. I don't care which quarterback in there. I don't hear Malik, anybody making excuses. Malik, true. All right. Hey, what if Malik? Let let let's get to this because 
you know, I always get on here. And you know what? My words, I usually stutter, but I'm so hyped up. I'm just, the words just coming out. So we're going to roll <laughs> while I'm hot. Look, what if Malik fails at Boston College? Do we snatch him after six plays and put Nikosha back? Or is he going to just let Malik throw the rest of the season away? Because I'm the, of the opinion my season is over with. We're not winning the ACC. We're not winning the national, the national title. So, um, you know, the season, what, what are we playing for? Are we going to even win the Coastal? We got to hope people lose now to win the Coastal. No, so, you got to win out. You got to win out, yeah, and so Virginia's got to lose once. Well, that's going to happen. But I, I don't even want to hope for that. I'm not even that type. I don't want to win the Coastal if somebody else got to lose because we should run through the Coastal. Everybody had Miami. All the experts before the season, all you guys had us winning the Coastal, running away with it, and, you know, getting back to play Clemson. Now all of our expectations are changing every week. Now everybody who we thought was going to be good ain't no good. You see where I'm going with this, Gary? We got to. Yeah, I don't think any expectations have changed, demand. though. Yeah? Well, what are we expecting now? Don't we you expect, expect them to win the rest of their games so- and go to Charlotte? No, I don't expect that. I would hope that. I don't. You know what I expect them to do? What they've been doing? You know, have us just watching games and hoping we, hoping for the best. I don't know what they got. I don't know what to expect, Gary. Do you? Do you know what to expect on Friday no. night? Honestly, oh, I don't. I expect them to show get? up very motivated and play and play a very good game. That's what I expect. But I can't guarantee it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, hey, yeah. Well, I don't. I, yeah, I, I. You know what I might expect. You know what I can expect to happen. I, this one, if you want some expectations, I can expect Mark Rick would throw more plays out there at Boston College than he gave Nicosia to throw at Virginia with. He put Nicosia in a bad situation, and it seems like this. This is just me talking. I know you're gonna say, "Nah." He ain't that cynical. But to me, it seems like he never wanted to play Nicosia to begin with. All the way back to the Florida State episode where we got down 27 and the defense gave the offense the ball inside the 20 and they scored three times and forced, you know, us to win the game. We had that one drive, that second drive that we we did a long drive. But other than that, they did nothing. And it was like, you know, so I don't think he gave the kid a fresh shot. I don't think he wanted to play him. I don't know why he played him. I can I can get into my suspicions of why he played him, you know, which you probably won't agree with, so I won't bring him up because it's not good to mention. But from what I saw, he never was excited about playing that kid. I never saw him call the kid and, he just never looked happy about that kid being in the game. I'm just that's just my opinion. And and when he snatched him against Virginia, how many how many interceptions have Malik thrown over his tenure at quarterback? How many bad games, terrible games have Malik had? I mean, you're right, you're right. But as a fan, you should be hoping that he's had his bad games, and now he's a 
He's a fifth-year guy, and he's had a lot of good games too, and you should be hoping that he could string five together here and over the next month and get you to Charlotte. That's what you should be hoping. Look, God bless him. God bless everybody on the team. That's the way I feel for all those kids. They come to Miami. They take a chance on Miami. These people put their trust in Mark Rick, and he's let, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Coach Diaz, yeah, I like Diaz. You know, he's the turnover chain, rah, rah, rah. It's still some stuff to be, you know, can be. But if you look at Diaz, he's, you know, he got the same issues Mark Rick got. But his, he's just, his kids are just, they, they just ain't, they performing better. I ain't going to say they're world beaters. They're number one in the country. For some reason, part of that is the talent we face. Part of that is he's doing a great job, and, and, and they're working real hard. You know, have any other coaches – I got a question for you, Gary. Have any other coaches on the defensive side of the ball ever coached with Mark Rick? Are all of those just new coaches on that side no, of the ball? No, they're all new. None, none of them have coached with Mark Rick. Hmm. That says it, says it all, because all the guys on the offensive side of the ball are so former. <laughs> They've been with Mark Rick before. And, yep. and and we're getting, you know, and, and look, it is what I, it is. What it is. I'm a, I live in Georgia. I grew up down the street from the UM in Coconut Grove. I went to Sunset Elementary. I remember skipping, missing the bus on purpose to go out to the UM. We'll walk home and walk over to the UM and just play around the campus and look at the barracudas in that lake out there and, and <laughs> old ladies catching mullets on buckets. So I've been around. I played football at Southridge with Robert Bailey and um, Winston Moss and Willis McGee. He played out there at the UM. Herbert James and went to Richmond, Elementary, Richmond Junior High with Randall Hills. So, you know, I know a lot of folks who've been through there and I watched the game with Melvin Bratton a couple of weeks ago up here in Atlanta and Brett Perriman. So it, it ain't like, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, you know, it is what it is with me. You know, I don't see it with Mark Rick, and I want to win another championship. I just see us being like, if he stayed a whole five years, where are we going to be at the end of five years? Well, listen, you've at had a steady point, forward. You've point. had a. Well, but wait, let's be honest. You've had a steady forward progression through years one and two. Okay, this year has not gone the way anybody planned it to this point. But if if they win these last five games, which they could, I don't know if they will or won't, but if they win these last five games and go 10 and two, could you reasonably have expected this team to be better than 10 and two? I couldn't. I predicted ten and yes, two before the year. I expected this team to be playing. I expected this nah, team man. to be playing. Nah, man. There the ain't no way. Especially there ain't no way you're going. Hold on. Can I talk, Please. Gary? No. Bad. But then I'll tell you, there's no way. There's no way. Why? Why? You're... Why is there's no way, Gary? You have an you average offensive line, and you have average quarterbacks, and there's no chance you're going through a 12 game schedule, winning every single game with an average O line and average why, quarterback. Why are? Why are? Why are our quarterbacks? Average and why is our offense? They haven't. It comes they haven't down really to well enough look, in those two positions. Look, 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 Gary. You brought up. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm gonna stay on here like those other guys. And, and, and nah, man. I'm we, gonna say we something right now before I get. Hold on, hold on, make hold on, hold on, hold on. Final you comment, let those guys. Ahead. You kept me a whole. All right, hold on, Gary. You let those guys talk too long, and and they talk thirty minutes, forty minutes, 
And um, our mother version, you know, you gave me a time for the five minutes. You you have gave me five minutes. You know, I think that's all the time should be limited to five minutes. But let me get ahead, make, one make thing. Final comment. Go. Make you final comment. All right. Hold now, on. Now hold on. Hold on. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. You Go mentioned ahead. Mark Rick had the number one recruit before he left Georgia, right? Yeah. What's that guy name from Washington? Eason. Um, whatever his name. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob Eason. Eason. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know where he is now. That. Just because you the yeah, that's what I was finna say. Just because you the number one kid coming out of high school on the on the on whatever whatever ranking site you that don't mean you the best quarterback in the nation. No, that it doesn't always mean, mean anything. Whatever, cause look who beat him out, Jake Fromm, a quarterback who ain't even who wasn't even known known about, took over yeah. his two freshman year and got Georgia within. A, 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 a couple of bad calls of winning a national title as a true freshman. So stop it or not panning out. Our coaches are not doing their freaking jobs. And you shouldn't have blocked me, Gary. I am mad as you know what. Bye. Have a good night. All right, Steve. Wow. <laughs> He's entertaining as hell. Uh, I just wish he could have posted on the message boards with like just a, even like a semblance of reasonable language. But uh, man, after I don't know, whatever. All right, um, going to take another call. Going to get some questions. We're going to fire through here over the next uh, forty-six minutes or so and, and try to get to everybody. Let's go to the uh, two-five-six. You're on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, what's going on, Gary? Oh, we're having a great night, aren't we? It's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been a tremendous night, man. And I can kind of yeah. feel everybody's point out, to be honest with you. There's a uh, lot of passion oh, out man. there, man. I just hope they win Friday. If they don't win Friday, I don't know I don't know what we're going to do next Tuesday. I think we might be full of, fully uh, in a full straight jacket by next week if we lose. <laughs> Hopefully we don't, know. So what you got? But, uh, and, I mean, as usual – you know, I usually say something about Alabama, but uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say no more, man. You know, I defend us every single year, and I'm not saying it's over and we can't win out, but I mean, we got to start improving on all grounds, man. Because I mean, as much crap as they talk down here, and you know, like I say, I'm defending us every year, and. This year, I thought that we had potential to finish, uh, what, at least with one loss on the resume. But, I mean, clearly we have two already. Uh, I actually had us predicted to possibly get upset this Friday, but I figured that we would be undefeated coming into this game. So, you know, that whole scenario changes up. But the bottom line to it all, man, is the reason why I felt like that was because, okay, last year was Malik's first you know, year start. So I'm like, all right, you know, let's see what he can do. You know, every quarterback has his ups and downs. But, I mean, to come into this year and not really see much but the same stuff, I mean, I I guess that's why everybody's still so pissed off because, I mean, we do the same shit that we did last year. We ascend Homer in motion. First he's in the pistol, then he's up beside him, then he's over here on the left side or the right side. You know, it's constantly the same damn dive play over and over. You know what I mean? I just don't understand why we always do the same stuff. 
I guess that's why everybody wants a, a for real OC in the building because we do the same thing. It's so predictable. I mean, I can sit here all day on Saturdays and be like, I bet you he's about to fucking hand the ball off. And it's like, boom, he hands the ball off because it's the same stuff. So, I mean, I don't understand it. You know, I, I hear you. But when it comes to the running game, and, and I tried to watch a reasonable amount of college football this past weekend since we had an open week, I mean, I see everybody pretty much running the same type of rush offense these days. I mean, it goes to different gaps and holes and stuff, but, I mean, they're pretty much running the same plays. Yeah, I mean, but they switching it up on also passing out of it. Like, for instance, we played Virginia. The flats was open the whole game. And just like Smyra called in earlier and was talking about the kid's name is Rondell Moore. He's from Louisville, Kentucky originally. In fact, my cousin coached him in middle school. But that's another story. But, I mean, they had that kid. He was out at wide receiver. They put him in at running back and had him go in motion to run out in the flats and catch a pass. And he breaks tackles, which everybody ain't guaranteed to break them. But, I mean, regardless of him breaking the tackles, he still had a first down. So if you, you know, dial up something like that and they put forth that extra effort, you know what I mean? I mean, anything can happen. It just gets on my nerves to just see the same stuff over and over. But uh, as far as, you know, Manny Diaz and, you know, the defense, I mean, clearly, you know, we improved on defense and we're not lacking there, even though we, you know, would have been way better if those other guys would have stayed. But, I mean... I mean, in special teams, I mean, do we not have enough money to hire somebody specifically to coach the quarterbacks and just specifically? It's it's not a money thing. You only have so many. You only have so many staff positions. I mean, well. So if you if if you were to hire if you were to designate a coach just special teams, then you would lose a position coach. Well, we need to we need to make some moves, Gary. I mean, uh, especially with the quarterbacks. I mean, every, we've seen Perry this year. We've seen Rozier. And from some of the articles I read, you know, I'm not sure if it was 100% if it was Mark Rick saying this, but Jaron Williams is pretty accurate, but, you know, he's not all that great on the deep ball. Well, right now, what do we need? An accurate quarterback. Because, I mean, some of this shit that Perry and Rozier is throwing out there, I mean, they open, and it's for short routes the majority of the time. So why not give him a shot? I think you got to go and, and do the what you feel gives you the best chance to win this week. I mean, that I don't think a coach can do anything differently right now. Right on. Now, I'm not saying to start this kid, you know, Friday in Boston College. I'm just saying that we already, you know, trying to see what's up. And, I mean, it could still potentially happen, but only if we end up screwing over ourselves for the rest of the season, which I hope does not happen. I really hope we win out because I, I believe we can potentially beat, you know, Clemson if we go to the ACC championship game. It's just all about how the quarterback going to play. To be honest with you, it's, it's all on the quarterback and the play calling of Mark Rick, uh, Thomas Brown, uh, Mark Rick's son. I mean, I don't know who who's the damn OC, uh, who's calling what, uh, or what. But 
ain't going to hold you no more, Gary. Uh, I told my brother and a bunch of Tennessee fans to call and listen to the show. So if they listening, uh, screw the Crimson Horse, Hurricane for life, <laughs> keep me on hold. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, let me uh, attack a few of these questions that we've been talking about here because we didn't get to them all last week. Um, what O-line recruits or commits will be difference makers in two years that will allow us to compete against Bama in Atlanta? Wow. Uh, I mean, you got to hope it's Cleveland Reed. you got to hope it's John Campbell. you got to hope it's Corey Gaynor. I mean, it, 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 you got to figure Scaife will be one of them. But if it's not those guys and maybe a Hillary thrown in or something, and maybe you get Evan Neal this year and he becomes a factor in that, uh, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, we can't sugarcoat it. Like, got to hit in recruiting, without a doubt. Uh, how's defensive tackle recruiting going? Got to find the next Gerald Willis. Yeah, they got to do that. Uh, that's for sure. Well, I mean, they got commits from a kid named Jason Blissett out of New York, and a, and a little bit of an undersized guy out of Georgia, Jalar uh, Holly. Um, not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's an overwhelming defensive tackle class. It's not. Uh, I think for next year, you need John Ford and Nesta Silvera to come through. That's the bottom line. And, uh, and the linebackers better come back also. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got some recruiting to, to do here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they're getting old on defense very quickly, and some of these guys might leave after three years, and uh, you gotta you got to have the next guy sitting there. So uh, the coach has got to keep grinding on that recruiting trail, no doubt about it. Uh, subject that just came up here about a dedicated special teams coach. Um, I mean, you have a, you have a, a dedicated special teams coach. Uh, um, and that's uh, Todd Hartley. And, yeah, he also coaches the tight ends. But I don't think coaching the tight ends – prevents him from also being the special teams coach. I don't think, you know, this is how most teams do it in today's college football. You don't have enough uh, staff spots to say you're just going to do special teams and do nothing else. Um, Look, the biggest problem with special teams has been the punter. Um, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the bottom line. It's tough to, to cover punts. Well, when you have no idea where the ball is going. And, you know, usually you, you'll call a, 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 a kick to the right side or something. Your punter can place the ball on the right side of the field, and you can steer your coverage in that direction. If you don't know where your punter is going to kick the ball, if you're calling for the punt to go to the left side and it goes to the right side, you've got big problems. And um, to me, the biggest issue on special teams this year has been punt coverage. Uh, the return teams with Jeff Thomas in there have been adequate. Uh, not great, but adequate. Um, I think Bubba Baxa as a kicker is coming on pretty well. He, he looked pretty comfortable last week. He looks like he's progressing through his freshman year. So they got to get the punting aspect of special teams straightened out, and then I don't think it'll matter that they don't have a dedicated coach. I don't think that's what's holding it back. Todd Harley is doing a uh, is is plenty good enough to continue to manage the special teams. Um, is the fan base out of line for unrealistic expectations given the amount of freshmen and sophomores on the field? Uh, I don't think so. I think some of the behavior of some individuals has been out of line in, in the last nine days. 
you know, some of the criticism maybe is a little over the top, but, you know, a lot of what's being said is not inaccurate. I mean, people do make some good points along the way. Uh, I, I think just sometimes it gets drowned out by the people who take some very hardline stances on things that they don't necessarily know a whole lot about. You know, I mean, they don't know the ins and outs about Nikozi Perry and what he's capable of and not capable of and what his deficiencies are and what they're not. And they're not going to hear it from Mark Richt either. Um, so, you know, look, it's been a bad atmosphere the last nine days. Yes, there have been some guys over the top. I think winning Friday night starts to change it back. Very important. They got to win Friday in Boston, period. No, no excuses. Why not rotate quarterbacks? Is it possible to get both guys in there and execute their own strengths in the right situations? Um, that's what I would have done from the beginning. I, I never was in favor of this whole changing the starting quarterback thing. You start Malik, you play Nikozi when the opportunity presents itself. If it gets to the point where Nikozi is significantly better than Malik and you got to make a decision, you make that decision. I thought Mark Rick jumped the gun a little bit. I think he got burned by it a little bit. I think now he's attempting to correct it back. We'll see what happens from here. Will Jaron Williams see action at quarterback in three more games? Um, maybe, but I wouldn't expect it to be anything significant. Um, I think Nicosi would go in first, and then if there's a chance to play both, but I don't know that any of these games are going to be blowouts to, to the degree that they're going to be able to play three quarterbacks. Any staff interest in either Jalen Hurts or Kelly Bryant as a quarterback transfer after the season? Uh, Kelly Bryant, I think, is looking at schools mostly you know, in, in the Carolina area, things like that. I don't know that he would factor in here. Really no reason to bring in Kelly Bryant. You've got the same guy in the Cozy Perry and Jaron Williams. Uh, I would think that if Jalen Hurts wants to come to Miami, that they would have to think long and hard about that one just because of how experienced he is, all the football he's played in the SEC, and the success that he's had there. All right, we got a couple more left. I'll get to them in a, in a moment. Let's go back to, to the phone lines. Let's go out to the 786. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Yeah, that's you. Hey, how you doing? Doing this great. Who's Ken this? From, uh, this is Ken from my, uh, Miami. Former What's up, Ken? My student. <laughs> how you doing, man? Talk. Doing good. Talk to us. What you got? Listen, man, I'm going to tell you uh, the disparity between – you know, I'm at I'm in section 148, and I never had a game where you know you've seen the crowd come together and really root for the team, and then you look at the 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 spaghetti that was presented with uh how you would say ketchup for Virginia. I mean the scheme, the, the everybody said it tonight. The scheme, the coaching, lack of adjustments, and I'm just concerned that, okay, everybody has their heart in this because this is our team, but it seems like, like Thomas Brown, he admits a lot of things, but it scared the hell out of me to know that when they was playing against Florida State that it took them so long to adjust to let the uh, tight end stand and block, like little simple stuff. That was like a big thing for their staff to adjust to. Yeah, that's a good point. 
You got to you got to kind of identify that before the game, right? <laughs> like, um, and and even if you don't identify it, adjust to it quickly. So I know a lot of people saying we could win. I don't even think we win two of these games. You know why? Because number one, Mark Rick, and I did my research on him. He's the one who said that Cam Newton needs to be a tight end, and he didn't recruit him. Uh, also, your boy who plays with Houston, he said he wasn't a quarterback. Uh, uh, what's his name who played for Clemson? The quarterback for Houston now. Um, he is in the era of the Bobby Bowden-type coaching, simplistic, no adjustments, and he makes his offense seems like it's from Harvard or something. But I go to the games. I pay my money. I don't see nothing that is hard about the play calling, the 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 the, the, uh, the receivers, how they run their routes. Everything is basic and watered down. And this guy is getting four million dollars, and his son is coaching the quarterback. Malik, first year, no problem. Uh, he hasn't gotten better. Nikosi hasn't gotten better. These kids on their own to get better. He does not build quarterbacks up. And his son is not even qualified to build a quarterback up. I'm just saying from what I see. You know what I'm saying? And this is my concern based on is there going to be a time when people get in his business? Because I'm, I'm just complaining now, but the shit, it's going to hit the fan to the point where, okay, Mark Rick, the honeymoon is over. Change some staff. Do some things. Because this buddy-buddy son, uh, uh, Thomas Brown, all these co-coordinators, it got to stop. It has to stop. This is not real football. I mean, this, I'm like, when I go to the game, I'm looking at, like my man said, it's like basic watered-down plays, no adjustment. no like It's like watching a high school or optimist team play. And I'm just like, you know, I just want your thoughts on that because I know, hey, I pay for your, I, I, I pay for your cane sport too, but I'm pissed off because people like us, we spend our money, we go, we want to see a champion, and yes, I know the recruit, all this affects recruiting, and now I understand why we don't get the top notch guys because he came in here with a plan that he's going to make the play calls, he's going to have his son the quarterback, and nobody's better. Nobody's better, and no one. Well, uh, I mean, I think that there was a lot of pressure to prove that that's not the case, and I think that also might have contributed to the move to give Nikosi the shot that you know when he did. Right, but what I'm saying is, no, his son is not a quarterback coach. I don't care what no one says. I've watched the game. I've seen the practices. I I'm there. I'm. I see it on TV. He's and he's not a. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something, and I'm gonna be real. I think Mark Rick needs to be a, a athletic director and a, and a and a and a pastor on Sundays. I don't think he has that gonads to get it like how he used to get it. And I, I just see someone who's brought down his family. He has a nice environment. Everybody loves him. He's a God-fearing person. But that ain't going to win us no games, saying all that. But we need that coach with that fire in his eye, grab a helmet, 
make adjustments, build a team up, and, and, and have that UM where how UM used to be. Fear. And this is basic. I, man, I, I was at that game. I was going to leave the fourth quarter. But I stayed because I spent my money. And I saw the defense brought this 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 team back. That fire, and when he said that he was going to take Nicozy out, I know Nicozy heard that. That means you have no faith in me. And I agree with my man said he don't understand why he had. I think he got something against Nicozy because he would have never said that about um um your boy last year. He defended um, Malik all year last year. Nicozy do anything stupid, ready to come out. And the boy brought him back and won. So yeah, I think um his co is at a crossroads now where he needs to make adjustments. I'm not saying fire him because I know no one's gonna fire Mark Rick, but we pay a, we pay him a lot of money, a lot of money. And I'm an alumni, I'm a um, I'm a season ticket holder. I pay for your Kane sport, so I'm like, hold up, this needs to be said. That's all I'm saying, man. Yeah, you make great you make great points. I, I think the honeymoon is over. I think there's a microscope, and I and I and I think that. A lot is going to depend on what happens in the next month. Well, and it's going to be called out because I don't think he's going to win the five games. He might win. Two. Well, let's hope he does because that's what needs to happen. See, they need to win out, get to Charlotte, and but, keep the forward keep Garrett, the forward momentum going. You don't want to see things start going backwards. Yeah, you want them to win. You you got you got I I get that point, but. It all started when you take Nicozy out for what no. reason? No, it started when you put him in in the first place. It started nah. when you put him in in the first place. You didn't have a circus. The, the, the team had done fine. The, all right, the LSU game was a disaster, but they they won a they they won looking pretty good at Toledo. Uh, now you're playing North Carolina and FIU, and you're going to win those games no matter who you play at quarterback. There was no reason to go down this road. Going down this road may have screwed up the whole season. But so, there, you need these guys to have the experience. Malik is not, and 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 well, I see what you're saying. But do you but need to do it? it but are you doing it at the expense of this year? I'm doing it. I'm not saying don't some. play him. I'm, I'm not saying don't play him. I didn't. I didn't even think there was anything wrong with what he did at at FIU, where he played him for three quarters of the game. I thought that was great. Right. But you don't. I, I think, but but to put Malik on shows, the shelf was not the right move. Uh-huh. That's what I think. I think the pressure's on his son. You're not coaching these guys up, and I think the scheme's messed up, and I think I think this is where everything is going to come to a crossroads of what they're going to do. They got to win. Out, they got, there's no the reason call, for them to, to lose these next five games. They got to win. If they win and they finish 10-2, and two, you're back where you should be. Okay. We'll see, buddy. Yep. We'll talk next Thanks, week. man. I, I'll be calling next week, man. <laughs> Great call. Thank you for calling in. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, no. You, uh, wait, no. We've already had oh, you on. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Let's go to the um, Let's go to 706. 706. You're live on hey, Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? It's your boy, Sebastian, man. Gary, I need some Hey, what's up, Sebastian? How you doing this week, man? Hey, hey turn good, that Gary. volume so down in the background. Me. Okay, yep, yep, I'm turning it down right now. Okay, I'm turning it down right now. Hey, the first thing I want to tell you, here's here's what I need your help on, because I just kind of feel like we're just being misled. 
and I think you're a person of integrity, Gary, you wouldn't do that. First thing I need no. you to do is sometime through the week, the next time you have an opportunity to talk to the coaching staff, just ask the questions in regards to thinking, is there any other way they could be a little bit more creative? Why hasn't there been more creativity on the offense? And here's what I mean by that. Wait, let me stop you for one minute. You know, like, I I get what you're saying, but but let's think about this for a minute. Like, what, define creative. I mean, like, the FSU game, I think they, what did they run, three gimmick plays in the FSU game? I remember at least two or three. Like, what, like, what's creative? Let let me explain. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to explain it to you. How many plays do we have our quarterback under center? Hardly any. Just, 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 okay, okay. So let, let, give me some time to explain creativity. When we don't put our quarterback on the center and we don't run any motion, what we, do, what we fail to do is we fail to at least cause the defense to at least adjust to some of the things we're doing. And so I've been to two games. I told you I'm highly ticked off because the two games I've gone to, I've lost most of them. Charlottesville, you told me to go. I went. We lost. I went to Dallas. We lost. And the point I'm trying to make is we don't put our quarterback on the center, so we don't even challenge our quarterback. That's the development part I don't see. Well, we tell the quarterback, we're going to go on the center. We're going to put a guy in motion. If the linebacker goes here or the safety moves over, whatever, that's what I'm talking about. When we line up and run our offensive plays that you say most of college football is doing, I get that. But we, I, I saw the Virginia game, and you could rewatch it. I think we probably had the only plays we had a quarterback under center is when we gave it in a Trayon Gray and we did a dive play. Yeah, you know, so I'll be honest with you. I, I, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. And one of the okay. things I hate about modern-day offense is that the quarterback is hardly ever under center, and they've totally taken the play-action pass out of, almost entirely out of the game. I mean, I, that, 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 yes. That, that, so pre, uh, thank you. Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. Well, because, and, and the, other that, thing, that, that, the other thing that I, that I don't understand is how they, everybody always has the quarterback in the shotgun inside the five-yard line. It, 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 it makes absolutely no sense. The reason, why None. I say, the reason why I say put the quarterback underneath center or whatnot is sometimes I think that's just, just there to settle them. And then when you go ahead and do motion, at least you force the defense to kind of tip your hand in regards to, am I playing man? Am I playing zone? Do I have the right matchups that I have? The, the, the point that I'm really driving at is we're not as a talented or a deeper team to think we're just going out, out talented, out, out physically to win the game. I mean, I, there's no reason why we should have lost to Virginia. And here's what I mean by that. The defense had three turnovers. We held them to less than 250 yards, okay? We can't expect – how much better do our defense need to be if we held them to 13 points? How much better – or 16 points. How much better do our defense need to be for us to be able to win games in the ACC against a team like Virginia? So if you can help me, just ask the question in regards to is, is there any – should there be more creativity in the offense in regards to a lot of these teams are just following the same Pittsburgh blueprint that blew us out the water last year. That's the first point I want to make. The second point I want to make is I, I need to be able to find out that maybe you can help me understand is I understand that we don't have good punt teams and we don't have, we don't have a good kicker. 
I would I could handle going for it more on fourth down. If we don't have the kicker that we need and we're only going to gain an additional 15 or 20 yards, I'm just saying there's a point where the coach Well, he's been going for it on fourth down a lot. I don't know if you've noticed that. He's been going for it on fourth down a lot. Well, I tell you, in the Virginia game, when we went for it, in the beginning of the game, when we went for it on fourth down, there was no reason we should have went for it then. We should have just played defense. Because the play that we ran – because the play that we ran had absolutely no creativity there. Okay, the second point I want to make, Gary, is I feel like I'm being led, misled with all these recruits. I didn't see Ingram committing to Alabama until probably the last kind of 10 days. It was like he was on target. We didn't, we, we didn't either, but we, what, what we should have. We should have seen know, it coming. He was, he was, we, we were targeting all along that on the 23rd, mom's birthday, he's going to commit to Miami, and it seemed like Miami yeah. was going for, for no other kid. The last, yep. uh, the two more other points I want to make is, I'm really seeing, our, I'm really seeing our coaching staff struggle to recruit nationally, and here's what I mean. I mean, I can't tell you the last time we got a kid out of Louisiana. They I, don't I'm even, they don't try enough. We we, 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 we don't even swing at the fences, is what I'm talking about. No, Every kid in I agree with you on that. Country. I don't understand it. You know, you know what I mean? Every kid in Louisiana is not going to LSU. We don't even swing at the fences. And it makes no, and Miami no is an appealing I mean, destination university. I mean, a visit to that's Miami is unlike a visit to most schools in the country. I mean. And, 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 and the reason why I struggle with that, all it takes is for you to get one kid out of one of these states, and you build a good relationship. Hey, you got Brevin Jordan from Las Miami. Vegas. I I get that, Gary. I get that. But what I'm saying I mean, it's not like it's not doable. I mean, it's very doable. You go out and you recruit well. If you if you can get a kid from Jacksonville, you can get a kid from Louisiana. Exactly. And so I just don't see where we. I don't. I'm not saying these coaches don't recruit. It's like they don't even put themselves out there to actually get a kid. They have a recruiting philosophy right now built around the state of Florida and especially the Tri County area. That's their recruiting philosophy right now. They'll occasionally go out, but they're not. Their their feeling is we're not going to spend all our time on airplanes flying all over the country to not get kids when we can visit five, six kids at the same time in this area. That's you okay. know that's the philosophy that they're living or dying with right now. And my response to that is I don't personally agree with it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, maybe they're right. Happens, it's not, well, maybe they're right. Maybe they can win. Maybe they can win the way you have to win here. Doing it that way, I'm not sure they can. I don't uh, think my my personal opinion is you got you got to go outside too. The last the, the last the last the last point I want the last point I want to make, Gary, is this: is this game that's coming up in Boston College? I'm actually in San Antonio, so I'm actually flying back to Virginia. I won't get a chance to watch the game, and I probably don't need to. When I land, I don't know what the score is going to be. But here's a couple of things that I think really, really I, – I, I'm just wondering if you could talk to the coaching staff and when you have an opportunity to, to ask them these particular questions in regards to what, what kind of offensive philosophy are they, are they going to approach the game with? And here's what I mean with that. On defense, it seems like we have an understanding that we have a scheme of what we're trying to do to the offensive team, and we kind of impose our will, or we can dictate the way the game is going to go. 
on the offensive side, when we approach the game, it seems like to me like we didn't take a, a week to game plan or scheme or have a the first set of five, seven plays that we're going to try to do something to make the other defense adjust. I mean, if we start the game off and we put the quarterback underneath the center, that, that that's going to screw up the other team because they don't normally see us do that. Or we go deep. Well, we for the first play of the game, we go deep down the sideline on the, on the pass. Just make the defense think. And I'm telling you this because when I saw that game in Charlottesville, I'm telling you, everybody's saying the exact same thing. We're too predictable. The defense knows exactly what we're going to do, and we do that every single time thinking something different is going to happen. When do we ever start a playoff where we roll the quarterback out and just throw a three-yard flat? You know what I mean? Just something different to make the defense think. And I think a lot of that has to do with motion. I'm going to tell you, put me on hold. I haven't saying I've scratched Blacksburg off, but I just don't know if I can take going to another game after I'd have been to two and watch us lose. And we're losing the exact same way. And the final point I'm going to make is this. For us to say that our offensive line is weak, you know, I think we're just making excuses. And here's my point. I mean, I'm not trying to say that we need to be Alabama, but I've seen Nick Saban make some changes that has helped his team get over to the top. Whether it be that I needed to get from a stationary quarterback to a running quarterback to be able to do that, we've made he's made the changes or made adjustments that we need to make. And here's the thing that I need to see if this season tanks for us. If Mark Rick don't make no changes after a season like this, well, they have made that changes. That tells me he just well, no, they they've, they've moved that. Donaldson back to guard, and they put DJ Scaife at right tackle. I mean, that's a change. Okay, okay, that's a change. I'm, I'm talking about along the coaching staff. And here's the point I'm trying to make. Oh, yeah, you're not going to see Dabble him do that in the middle of the season. No chance. Not, no, 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 not in the middle of the season. I'm talking about after the season. Dabble Sweeney made a change to his coaching staff after two years coaching. His first coaching job, he made a change. And I'm not saying I need coaches head to roll or whatever, but you need something else to come on on the inside to make you think differently and act differently so these teams just don't have to build a formula that knows that every single year this is what it takes to beat Miami. I think you got to see how the season you know, ends. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a right. discussion for a month from now. All right, man. Hey, okay, thank, like th- thank you, man. Great call. All right, guys, we've got about 15 minutes, actually 14 minutes left. Still got a bunch of guys that want to get on, so let's uh, – Let's let's move fast through it and see if uh, how many we can get on. Let's go to nine five four. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary. Yes, sir. That's you. Yeah, it's Joel. Hey, what's up, Joel? Uh, and, and Talk to much. us. Um, yeah, the, uh, these guys are kind of funny as I'm listening to them tonight. I mean, seems like everybody needs like some virtual uh, tissue paper. I mean, you would have thought that we're uh, Oh, and five or something for the season. I mean, what's that? <laughs> I don't, Just I don't win Friday it. in Boston, Joel. Just win Friday in Boston. <laughs> yeah, if they so don't, I'm, I don't know if I'm coming back. I may just stay up there. Oh, it's it's going to be a little cold, so maybe I will come back. But, wow, I don't even want to think about losing Friday. Right. Anyway, um, I'm not sure what was up with uh, Nikosi's video there. Um I think I think uh, you get a better sense of why Mark Richt uh, pulled the plug on him. Um, he kept using the term maturity, maturity, and um, 
it seems like just there's just been little trails along the way that just kind of show that, you know, he, he's not ready to stand in that place of leadership in terms of uh, quarterbacking no. the team. Never was. That's why I said he did the mistake with starting this in the first place. Dumb. I feel bad for Mark. Yeah. I understand why he did it. He's trying to figure out a way to improve this team because getting to Charlotte's one thing, but if you, you get run down by Clemson again, that's not so great. So, I mean, I, my guess is he's just trying to find ways to make the team better, but uh, that was a mistake. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, the only thing I would say about the offense, I mean, I know everybody's getting on the offense and everything. Um, I, kind of, I kind of feel about the offense the way everybody felt when uh, people were getting on the defense when Mark D'Onofrio was there. You know, they were saying that, oh, it should be a 3-4 defense and everything. And um, I kind of feel that way in the sense of the offense where I'm not so sure Miami's ever been a run-dominant team. And I think the identity more of the the the, the skill talent of the team is probably more passing slash balance. Uh, the, I guess the only problem is you don't really have a great quarterback to throw. So I guess that's probably a bit of the dilemma. But I don't really see Miami as like a Alabama slash running dominant type of team. Not um, now, but I think they'd like to be a few years down the road. Yeah, well, you got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, they do. But it can happen. Yeah. Just got to keep recruiting. Yeah. Other than All right, that, Joel. the only other beef, yeah, the only beef, the only other beef I would have is just that uh, Miami has, uh, since they've gone to the ACC, the only thing I would say is that they haven't uh, dominated the coastal yet. I think that's really the only uh, major flaw, at least that I see for, uh, from from. Yeah, no, losing to Virginia was bad. Now you got to just win out. Prove that you're legit and hope Virginia loses again, which I got to believe they will somewhere, but we'll see. Schedule doesn't look real tough, but I got to think at Blacksburg, they'll be in tough and maybe even Georgia Tech on the road. Right. All right, Joel. All right. Give, give us a call next week, man. Thank you. All right. Take it. Let's, let's go to 678. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hi, right, what's going on, Gary? Yeah, doing good. Who's this? This guy is Jackie. Hey, look. What's up, Junk? Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, we got, we, start, we get on the show and get emotional, and then we start, like, people not really thinking, you know. Like, we have the number one defense in the nation, right or wrong. Right. And so the formula that we're using, obviously, is working, you know. Like, we say, hey, we got to go recruit nationally. Why? Like, most of the players on defense are Florida boys. Well, and you, yeah, but but you you've got a lot of players there that 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 are starting to get older. The linebackers are starting to get older. Is, your your defensive tackle position is getting depleted. I mean, but, they're not always going to be able to get everything from South Florida. This is my I don't I don't think they will. Already depleted. It was depleted when the two DTs went to the draft, and we're still number one defense yeah. in the nation. But anyway, true. And and then and then we when we do recruit nationally, I mean, Hightower is not from Florida. Jeff Thomas ain't from Florida. Brevin Jordan ain't from Florida. So what we're doing is what we're is what what we're doing is that we're 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 dominating Florida. 
but we still get a piece here and there, and that's what we're doing. I mean, it's nothing wrong with the recruiting. The thing is, yeah. we're missing because where Patrick Fontaine Jr. from? Where's Camel from? Where uh, Jerry Julie from? That see, that was the problem. We're not getting the Florida that we supposed to get. Then, uh, Steve, great point. Uh, the boy who just slipped. The, so yeah, the the the, the elite Florida guys can't keep getting need. away. You're right. You're right. Exactly. That's way more important than local. I mean, than the national guys. Like, screw the national guys. Get Jerry Judy. Get uh, Stevenson. Get uh, Campbell. Get Sartan Jr. And then we'll worry about the other stuff. But anyway. Um, You're right. My thing, my thing is with Mark Rick. I wouldn't um, want to give up Brevin Jordan, though, at this point. <laughs> no, you, you get that. You know, you go get your Brevin Jordan, like your Greg Olsen, your, your Winslow Jr., but – Shockey, you gotta go get those. But my thing is with with Mark Rick, he his whole thing was he was coming back to coach. So for us to be saying, hey, we need a new OC or we need to change this, being basic ain't always bad. The thing is, what he his biggest mistake is, and it's like what Cam Newton, what what um, Shula and Dorsey did with Cam Newton. He's not making like we can't. Are we gonna say? The, the quarterback is average. Like, Coach is number three behind the dude at Alabama and Kellen Mond. Like, we're not the, – the guys can play. But when you simple – the offense is not catered to Nikosi. See, when they when, – when Shula catered the offense to, towards Cam Newton, he went to the Super Bowl and won MVP of the NFL. Because we're not getting – like, the, the throws Nikosi make are not just regular average Joe throws. Now, we can, we can share that. Uh but when we when we run plays that get the ball out quick, when we go in the center, when we can run play action, when we can hit quick bubble screens, when we can like we can still be a basic offense, but we gotta do we don't even run quick slants. We don't I know I don't even see us running quick slants. I don't see us running no flare outs. Like if we run a dive look, play action, hit the tight end, like we don't do nothing of the basic stuff that goes with a basic offense. So we sit in the shotgun. Now the blitzing come and hit, hit the quarterback. He made bad throws because pressure on him all day. It's like I think we're done because the simple fact is Mark Rick came back to coach, and so nothing is going to change. I mean, he's that's the only point. The reason he came to Miami because he wanted to be the OC. So I mean, it is what it is. We, we're stuck with it. Uh, Dukes can't call plays. Thomas Brown can't call plays. Uh, John can't call plays. So it's all on Mark Rick. Like on um, 305 said, no one to challenge him. So he's not going to get better. I mean, it's just a season. We just got to pack it in. Right? It is what it is. You know? well, hopefully not. Hopefully they win five straight and get to Charlotte. And, you know, I don't see them beating Clemson either way. But you, you still got to get there. I hope not. I hope not. Good luck. All right, Junkie. All right, man. Ne- next week, man. Thank you. Let's go to 202. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? This is Deuce from D.C. What's up, Deuce? What you got? I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. I know it's about to end. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. My thing is, this this is what you got to do when you look at the offense. You got to ask yourself, what stress am I putting on the defense? We put zero stress on any defense we play. We didn't put any stress on Savannah State in the first half. It's it's we're not fooling anyone, and if you have a bad offensive line and an average quarterback, they use motion and deception to compensate to overcompensate for those things. 
So we don't run any quick screens to Jeff Thomas or Mike Harley. If they go anywhere else in the nation, they're catching five or six passes a game just in a quick game. We're asking our offensive linemen to block for five seconds to throw all verts on every second and third down. And that's why the quarterbacks look as bad as they do. He doesn't call plays that is conducive for the quarterback to succeed at all. It's 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 alarming. He's watched he's coached and watched too much football in his life to think that this is gonna work. We run the same run plays over and over and over again. We don't have good guards. Why are you running inside zone? Why not run a trap if you're gonna do inside? Why not run counter? Why not go back to how he played with Kaya when he was in when he was in eye formation so the play actually can be more effective. We don't do anything to help our offense at all. When you watch the game, the blueprint is out. All you do is you can keep one high safety. You don't even need two high safeties. Keep one high safety. You back your corners off as 10 yards because we don't throw quick game. You put a hang defender right in the, right over the slot so we can't do the bubble screen. And then you tell everybody else in the box the, the run is coming inside. Once the runner back motions, the run is going to the opposite side. We don't run any to the same side for the most part. There's no deception. Why is Jeff, Jeff Thomas not in motion? You know, it's it's it. I don't I don't get it. We line up like we are uh, uh, the 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 '07 Patriots and think that we're just going to do what we want running a basic scheme. When you when you don't have what you need, you have to do more as far as deception and, and, and little fluff stuff to keep the defense off balance. We don't do anything to keep the defense off balance. Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, uh, Virginia. LSU, all of these teams played us the same exact way. Straight up, they know, when, when, you know, clap your hands. Okay, once the quarterback claps his hand, then, then you know, wait three or four seconds, he's going to snap the ball. He might clap it twice. They fire off the ball, they destroy us. We don't run a draw. We run a screen when we're down 30. We never run a screen right off the bat. Why not run a screen second play of the game? You know everybody's going to load the box against us. Do something. And everybody keeps blaming Nikosi. And 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 my thing is Malik Rogers, 23 years old. He's gonna be working at AT&T next year. So why are you putting all your eggs in his basket? It's their it's their fault for not developing quarterbacks that they have. And just think about this. I'll leave you with this. He's so stubborn. He was going to sign Arthur Sitkowski. The only reason he didn't do it is because he played himself out of the scholarship. He stopped recruiting other quarterbacks. He put all his eggs in Michael Johnson's basket. Michael Johnson was never coming here to play behind two freshman quarterbacks. He was not going to do it. So you stop recruiting quarterbacks overall. He is in a world of trouble. He has his son coaching quarterbacks. He has no one on, on offense that can challenge him, that can come up with new ideas. He should have hired Mark Helfrich as his new as the extra assistant, you know, because he can still be involved in, in the offensive of play calling, but he can't call plays anymore. This is not – think about this, Gary. He scored two points in a national title game. All right, let me, uh, let, let me stop you just because we're up against it, but you're making a great point. I agree that he, he's potentially in a world of trouble. It's all going to depend on how he evaluates the situation and what he does about it after the season. But I agree with you. He's potentially he in a world to. of trouble. And yeah, I, we'll see see. Us, I see us losing two more games at least. And and you know you, you know a world of trouble because they're not recruiting quarterbacks like they need yeah. to be. So we'll see. And he's going to have to play Jaron. And Jaron might be good enough, but you got to have more yeah. than one quarterback good enough. 
If he's not good uh, enough, Gary, we're toast. Then he, we're toast, yeah. Although all it takes is one kid to change it. And, and look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson is a perfect example. All right, man. Hey, Absolutely. thank you. Give us give us a call next week, all right? All right. Have a good one. Yep. All right, guys. I apologize. I know there's a few you still on hold. Uh, we're not going to get to you this week. Um, I'll try to do a better job of keeping the calls a little tighter uh, next week so we can get to everybody. Uh, but good show. I know it got contentious at moments, but hey, this is a contentious time. People are upset. The Virginia game was bad. The season isn't going the way everybody expected. And in fairness, while I haven't liked a lot of what I've been seeing going on on the message board in the last week, and it hasn't been fun, uh, you know, to try to work through it and have patience and the whole thing, people are justified in being upset. You know, this team came into the season with a lot of expectations. Uh, I, I think you saw the fan base really turn out in Dallas, and that was a horrible night, and that was a major setback for the program. Then when you back it up with the quarterback thing, when you lose to Virginia, uh, you know, it's it's a tough road. And uh, now it's going to all depend on how they finish. It starts Friday night in Boston. I'll be there. I hope a lot of you join me. Uh, if you see me, make sure you say hello. Love to meet everybody. Um, once again, thanks, Sicilian Oven. If you're not coming to Boston, go to one of their six locations. Uh you can do the plantation location. It's at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. The Aventura location, 205th and Biscayne. Um, Lighthouse Point location, Coral Springs, Sample Road, 101st. Uh, Boca Raton's got a location. And then that location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview. If that's in your uh, general proximity, I recommend that one. It has a full liquor bar. You get a nice time while you watch the game. And the food, obviously, as you've heard us talk about all year, is absolutely spectacular. So it's Boston or bus, baby. Let's go. Bags are packed. And uh, we'll see what happens Friday night. So once again, thank you to everybody who participated. We'll see you next Tuesday night. Good night, everybody.